You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I am Manny Manuel. It's late. I'm tired. (laughs) You're tired, Manny. We've got a jam-packed episode. It's the top 10 movies of 2019. We look forward to this every year. I'm going to get you to go right into the social media. Let's get this ball rolling. I want to get talking. Yeah, that's a good idea. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. I almost kind of forgot the whole thing. I'm so excited (laughs) to kind of get talking. Uh, you can All find this us, bullshit first. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. I promise I won't uh, take over your feed. I, I barely ever post, so I don't even know why you'd really want to follow us on there. But we'd love it if you did. It's you, true. Yeah, it'd be great. If you could subscribe to us and give us a five-star rating and a positive review on iTunes, we'd be so incredibly grateful as it will increase the profile of this lovely little podcast we have and allow more people to find this little gem that we got going on here. And if you aren't already subscribed to us on your podcast provider, please do. And you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Luminary, Stitcher, and probably any other app that provides podcasts. Sam, before we dive in, there's a couple movies I've been watching. It Has there been? There has been. You're I watched, a busy guy. I am. Still trying to keep the 2020 movie challenge going. I knocked two out of the park. One I have seen numerous times, but hadn't seen in a while, and that was Memphis Bell. I'm uh, completely unfamiliar with this movie. It's a movie that I had on tap for us to watch for Memorial, uh, not Memorial, for uh, Remembrance Day, uh-huh. as it recounts the true story of the Memphis Bell, uh, a B-17 bomber crew, the first crew to actually complete all 25 of its missions. So, spoiler alert, they survive. Uh, Ah, damn it. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure it was probably up in the air. It's, uh, It's a movie that I remember enjoying. Uh, I'm pretty sure, even though our listeners won't know, but but Sam does, we have a little movie chat group amongst the people that have been on this podcast, and I posted, without watching, I posted, I just posted the trailer for Memphis Bell on there, and then watched the trailer, hands down might be one of the worst trailers ever made, (laughs) it is, please don't judge the movie by the trailer, the movie itself is, I would say, entertaining, I would say it's entertaining. That, that's about all I'll give it. There's a lot of people in it that people recognize, uh, including your boy uh, Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast list right now. Sean Astin, all the way back in 1990. Yeah. Did not realize he was act- active in movies back that far. You realize that he goes back to the 80s, right, in the in the Goonies. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I knew he was in the Goonies. I, I kind of forgot. I'm thinking, like, adult Sean Astin, though, like... 
I think the earliest, I, I don't really think of him as the guy from the Goonies. I think about him as Samwise, obviously. And uh, also big fan of uh, super cheesy sports movie, Rudy. That's uh, future guest T-Bones. That's in his top five. Is it really? Oh, yeah, Rudy, yeah. Top five. Top five, yeah. That's, I, I don't even know if that'd be in my top five sports movies. Yeah, it's in his top five. Okay. Now, whether or not it's still in his top five, because he actually made a top 20 list, oh, wow, like 10 years ago, and I'm pretty sure it was in his top five. Damn. Yeah. Um, we can talk, we can ask him about it when uh, when he comes on in, a, we in, should. in an episode that's actually creeping up on us here pretty quick. I'm uh, I'm looking at this cast list here. I see John Lithgow and David Strathairn on there as well. Yep. Yep. Harry Connick Jr. Billy Zane <laughs> from Titanic fame. Yep. <laughs> and oh, the person that a lot of people mistake for being in the Mummy, even though he's not in the Mummy. Yeah, he's, he's not uh, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> no, it's not. They don't think he's Brendan Fraser. The the character, the actor that plays the Mummy. Look, oh. He looks like Billy Zane. His name is Arnold Vosloo. I've won many a bet on that film. What's his name? Arnold Vos... Just look up The Mummy on whatever... Are you on IMDb or on... Wiki- yeah, Wikipedia. IMDb. Okay, look up The Mummy. There'll probably be some screenshots. And he he looks like Billy Zane. Sure. In The Mummy. But it's it's not. His name is Arnold Vosloo. Interesting. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, The Mummy, high on the list of movies I want us to watch. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen the original Mummy. It's from 1999. Well, that's not the original. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, the the Brendan Fraser Mummy. <laughs> yes, you have. I I was pretty sure we talked about it before, and you said you hadn't seen it. So <clears throat> it's definitely one that I want. And that does look like Billy Zane. My God. I know. I, <laughs> I on like no lie, no exaggeration. Sam, I've won at least five bets. At least five. That Billy Zane was not the mummy? Yes. Everyone's <laughs> like, it was fucking Billy Zane. And I'm in my mind, and here's my narcissism and my, egotist, my, ego, my ego coming in. I'm in my mind, I'm like, are you seriously fucking arguing with me about movies? Are you seriously <laughs> arguing with me about movies? I've been arguing with you about movies for 91 weeks now, Manny. Yeah. <laughs> but you're never, you never say... Manny, you're wrong about this movie in, re- in regards to what something could be a fact, not an opinion, I a see. fact. Yeah. And I was just like, I- I'm like, okay. I'm like, I will take whatever bet you wish that it is not Billy Zane. <laughs> and I, I, I would hesitate to make any sort of bet with you about movies. Right. Even it- when we had our, con- our trivia contests, even that was a little bit, uh, sh- shall we say, ambitious by me. It was. <laughs> <laughs> And then eventually he just pulled out. He's like, we're doing Harry Potter You're so like, I can win one. You know what? Whatever. Let's just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you win all the contests. You win forever. Congratulations. Thanks. Feels good. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, Memphis Belle I watched. It was a, a nice revisit. And then, like I've mentioned before, I'm trying to knock off all the movies I actually own and getting them watched. So I watched the uh, 1985 Best Picture winner, Out of Africa, starring Meryl Streep and Robert Redford. This won seven Oscars and was nominated for 11 of them. Mm. Uh, This is, much like we discussed last week, 
on the English patient, this is this is your pure definition of an Oscar film. Mm. This was shot on location in Africa. It is fucking gorgeous. Sweeping. Meryl Streep is obviously amazing. Oscar nominated. Redford is pure eye candy. Like that 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 is a gorgeous man. That is a gorgeous man. The score is phenomenal. The cinematography is jaw dropping. And there's a couple scenes in there where I was curious as to how did they get that? Because there's one scene in particular where Streep there's there's I beg your pardon. There's two scenes in particular where Streep is dangerously close to a real lion. And in one of the scenes, I learned that just off camera, one lion is uh, the the one lion's trainer is just off camera, but there there's no protection. Like there's literally nothing between this lion and Meryl Streep, and it's maybe maybe twenty feet away. Holy fuck! Yeah, yeah. Could and, you imagine if this movie cost us Meryl Streep all the movies in the past thirty years we wouldn't have had? But could you imagine how many other actresses would have gotten roles and perhaps Oscars? Yeah, true. How many nominees, nominations does she have again? It's like over 20 now. Is it that high? I was, I was going to say 14, but I think you might be right. Hold on. I'll get you the answer. Okay. Uh, so I'll go. And then there was this other scene where I'm not spoiling anything. Um, it's she is whipping a lion who is attacking uh, some cattle that she's, uh, I guess, kind of herding. And it's, I, I kept watching it. And I'm like, I'm looking for the cut or the camera trick, but there's a couple shots where she is fully in frame with this lion who is not happy and is like, like swinging at the air and pawing at her. And I'm like, how the fuck did they do this? And I watched the making of documentary and she claims that during the filming of the scene, she was like cracking the whip at, at this lion. And it just sat because it was tethered. It was tethered. It just sat there. She, the way Meryl Streep tells it is fucking brilliant. She's like, I was whipping and it's just looking at me like this. Like, I don't care. And so she claims that they untethered it, and then that's how they got the amazing reactions they got from this, from this lion. Immediate cut to the director, Sidney Pollack, and he goes, do you think that I would untether a lion with one of our greatest movie stars? <laughs> she may like to choose to remember it that way, but I assure you that at no point was this lion untethered. That's a good story, actually. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Meryl Streep holds the record for most Academy Award nominations of any actor, having been nominated 21 times. Mother. 17 for Best Actress and 4 for Best Supporting Actress. Two wins? Uh, let's see. Oh, boy. I count a win for The Iron Lady. Yeah. I count a win for The French Lieutenant's Woman. Never and heard win it. for Kramer versus Kramer. Okay. The French Lieutenant's Woman, if that was a trivia question, I would have failed. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, I, I had the, the alignment wrong. She won for Sophie's Choice. Okay. Not not French Lieutenant's Woman. Okay. I was Kramer like, versus Kramer, Sophie's Choice, and Iron Lady. Okay. It's three wins. God damn. All right. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah. Out of Africa, I while I enjoyed it, 
it's along the same lines as we're, I'm basically just repeating everything we talked about with the English patient. It is, it's just a, wait, did we talk about that on the air last week or was that? I don't, know, I don't even know if we did. I think we referenced that we were talking about it off air, but I don't know if we had our full discussion on it. Okay. Air. All right. So it's, it's basically, well, for Sam, it's basically the exact same things I said about the English patient. Yeah. Just major Oscar bait and just like hyper romantic sort of. Yeah. It is. It does. It's it's based on the true story of this uh, Danish baroness who moves to Africa. It's uh, this is the kind of movie I would I I, I would kind of recommend this for the cinematography. Mm. And there isn't. There's another scene where this this other lion sprints at them like in full like at full speed, and it kind of it it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> Not that I thought that they were slow, but I never realized they were that fast. Yeah. And it, the maybe, who all knows, maybe they sped up the camera to increase the speed. But fuck, it, it like, it kind of, it startled me a little bit. Uh, it's, I can see why it won Best Picture. I actually don't know who it went up with, up, up against that year. Uh, but it was, I, I, I enjoyed it. But it's not one I'm going to tell people to, to rush out and watch. Yeah, uh, honestly, it, to be completely honest with you, it doesn't sound totally up my alley. I'm, I mean, neither does the English patient. I'm trying to figure out uh, what it was up against right now. I've uh, I've yet to <clears throat> yet to figure it out though. Uh, give me one sec here. It's the 58th Academy Awards. Oh my God, what a ooh! I've I've seen two of the other ones. Uh, out of Africa beat The Color Purple, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Prizzy's Honor, and Witness. The Color Purple and Witness are spectacular films. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> Anything before the year 2000 is a, is a coin flip for me at best. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I've been watching. I shouldn't have really railed on that much since we have such a huge episode in front of us. But... Ah, what can you do? It's uh, it's it's our episode. It's our show, goddammit. We'll talk as much as we want to. Okay, so Sam... What is this week's episode about? Well, it's a very exciting episode, Manny. I'm glad you asked. It is our top 10 movies of 2019. We started doing this every year. Our first episode ever was uh, the top 10 of 2017. Then last year around this time, around Oscar time, uh, we did our top 10 of 2018. It is time for the third annual episode. It's a fun one. Um, I think I speak for both of us when I say that this was a much stronger year for movies than last. A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. Honestly, um, looking at, oh no, you know what? I was kind of, I was about to kind of run my mouth. In all honesty, looking at, because you and I are just before we dive into it, we're going to kind of do a quick recap one year later of our last year's list. Yeah, see, uh, one-year hindsight, if anything, would have changed. Yeah, my top three are top, are definitely top three. And actually, uh, there's another one on there that kind of snuck up when I revisited it. But my films this year are actually probably even, in all honesty, nine through one would have a good chance of beating out... I'd say a good 60% of my last year's films. Really? Yeah. So the, so 
your ninth best movie could even arguably be better than your favorite movie last year? No, it it could it could be as I, I would say as high as number four. Right. I don't. My number one of last year, which we'll talk about again, I think could probably only be beat by my number one of this year. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get some sort of similar numbers on that. Um, I, off the top of my head, I'd say even as even as far as top top seven, arguably in my list, could be top three last year for me. Yeah, my my yeah, like, yeah okay. Well, I'll, uh, why don't you lead off with this since we've planned ahead? So yeah. Why don't you tell me what you was your top ten last year? So my top ten last year from ten to one. Uh, I'm kind of cringing reading back on this. Uh, A Star Is Born. I had number ten. Black Mirror Bandersnatch. I had number nine. If you recall. Oh, I recall. Uh, uh, number eight was Green Book. Seven was Widows. Six Roma. Five The Favorite. Four A Quiet Place. Three Avengers Infinity War. Two Annihilation and one Eighth Grade. Kind of a weak year, honestly. Kind of a weak year. I I agree. So now Sam, with a year's vision, a year's clearing, maybe you saw some films that you didn't get to see last year. Mm-hmm. What would your top ten of 2018 be after a year? I think I would sub out the bottom three. I think Green Book, Black Mirror, uh, Bandersnatch, and A Star Is Born probably all fall off the list. Wow. Um, I considered uh, bringing up Black Klansman, but I think without rewatching it, that would just be um, a little bit, a di- uh, little bit dishonest. Um, I-, I think the movies that I watched this year, or the movies that I watched since our top ten of 2018, that have a chance at making the list, I would say uh, Hereditary. Sorry to bother you, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse nice. all make the list. So I think my revised list for 2018. Yeah. Um. Did I switch anything else around? No, I think I didn't. I don't think switch, uh, switch anything else around. So new list is gonna be ten Hereditary, number nine Widows, eight Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, seven Roma, six The Favorite, five Sorry to Bother You, which I don't think we've ever had an excuse to talk about on the show, by the way. But Never I think have. you have seen. Have not. You haven't seen Sorry to Bother You? Oh, you really should. It's brilliant. Um, Four, A Quiet Place. Three, Avengers Infinity War. Two, Annihilation. And one, Eighth Grade. All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah, Sorry to Bother You is a really, really fun movie. It's about uh, a a guy working as a telemarketer. I know all uh, about it. It's, it, it is. It's been recommended. Crazy. Yeah, it's been recommended to me by now you and a couple other people. Shout out to Douglas, who uh, has been begging me to watch it. Highly recommend. It's it's a batshit crazy movie. Looking back at my top 10 from 2018, uh, full disclosure to the listeners, the idea for this segment of our show was sprung on me by Sam right before we started recording. (laughs) And so I had to quickly do this with maybe a little bit more thought. And if looking ahead for next year, I might plan things a little differently. So a lot of these movies that are on my top 10 from last year, uh, I probably still like, but some of them I have not revisited since I've seen them. So my number 10 is First Man, number 9, Incredibles 2, number 8, Black Klansman, 7, Widows, 6, Green Book, 5, Avengers Infinity War, 4, Won't You Be My Neighbor, 3, Mission Impossible Fallout, 2, A Star is Born, and 1, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. 
I remember that being such a huge shock to me last year when you had Into the Spider-Verse, number one. Yeah, it was no shock to me because I couldn't get enough of that film. Now, my new top ten, I don't really think I... I don't think I saw anything new that would creep onto this list, but I think with time, my new top ten for 2018 kind of reflects more stuff that I'd like... I'd either... I, I enjoy more. So it's not quite a best of 2018. It's kind of more of a what movies of 2018 do I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number 10 is now 8th grade. Dope. I Love knew that. I knew you liked that. <laughs> Made uh, the list, goddammit. Yeah. Number 9, Widows. 8, Green Book. So there's, those are still on there. Just dropped a little. Jumping onto the list and being added to it because of all of our discussion and revisiting it is Annihilation at number 7. Wow. Number 6 is Black Panther. Jumping all the way up to number 5, a movie that didn't make my list at all, but I love it. And that set it up. Yes, that was your uh, you had that as your guilty pleasure last year, right? I'm, when we were doing our sampas. Yeah. And I've watched yeah. it I think even two more times this past year. It's it's such a great romantic comedy. Like I, I tip my cap to you, Netflix. Keep making them because while there's probably some shitty ones they've made, a couple of the ones that they've done, they they had one this out year this year with uh, Ali Wong, Always Be My Maybe, a, a fun little movie. So yeah, set it up is is a movie that I'm going to revisit per- fairly regularly. Number four, Avengers: Infinity War, and then three, two, and one are still exactly the same. Mission Impossible: Fallout, one of the best action movies I've seen in the last ten years. A Star is Born. I still fucking love that movie. It might be the best first hour of a movie of in like in forever. And then number one is still Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a movie that, for those of you listening, made my top ten of the decade. Boom. Boom. Yeah, I had uh, I had two on my list that made my top ten of the decade from last year, from 2018. Annihilation and Eighth Grade? That's right. Nice. All right, so I mean, it, it's kind of interesting to see the uh, the impact that a year hindsight will have on our lists. I, I I think it's important to keep that mind when we're talking about it today, because honestly, I did spend a lot of time on the order of the list today, but there are some that are interchangeable, some that I think, um, with a year hindsight, I will I will not see the same way. But yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to to listen back on this in a year's time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Sam, we're about to dive into our top ten of 2019 why don't you let the listeners know about the rules of the show that we're going to be doing right here so um actually you said you said something that i don't have written down that i think is very important to touch on and that is these are our top 10 favorite movies of 2019 i think that's a a fair thing to say yes yeah so we are not not what's objectively best what you know uh, the Academy thought was great or what's technically the best. It's what we enjoyed the most. This is a very personal thing. Uh, and it's our show. So if you disagree, you know, you don't really get any say. Um, so the rules are we're going to alternate uh, back and forth between us, listing in ascending order from 10 to 1. Um, last year, I led with my number 10. So Manny's going to go first this time around. Um, and if we both have uh, the same movie listed, um, but one of us has it at the higher at, at a higher slot. We will delay discussion on that movie until it uh, is uh, until it arrives um, on the other person's list. Correct. 
Did I say that in a way that made sense? I think so. Made sense to kind me, of. but this I, is my I third time I'm doing kind it. Of tired. I don't even know what planet I'm on right now, to be completely honest with you. I'm pretty tired from my day at work today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we should. what you're saying is we should get off our, our asses and get this thing underway. That is precisely what I am saying to you, Manny. Manny, yes. what was your 10th favorite movie of 2019? Now, this is where I had a hard time putting something here because I had a bunch of films I want to put in here and if you probably ask me tomorrow I might change my mind again like mm. we said this year in film was actually really good and I should have taken a look but I bet you I gave out more four, four stars this year than I did last and I, ha I, I switched out my number 10 honestly about three or four times but I finally settled on yesterday oh i didn't see that this year i know despite and, your strong recommendation yes. i did not see it so please and, tell me why you loved it well yesterday is directed by danny boyle written by richard curtis it, uh, the cast is uh, himesh patel and lily james it has a meta score of 55 that breaks my heart uh, yeah it did not get great reviews no it didn't and i i can understand why but the plot, a struggling musician realizes he's the only person on earth who can remember the Beatles after waking up in an alternate timeline where they never existed. This movie is a perfect date movie. This is the perfect movie you want to watch with your significant other or a really good friend. It's super fucking cute. Now, what this film doesn't do is it doesn't really dive into the sci-fi aspect of what would actually happen if the Beatles didn't exist. It doesn't go into the minutia of how much different the world would be. Basically, all it does is it just plays along with the idea that this guy is the only person who remembers that the Beatles existed, and so he passes off their library as his own. It is a total blast it is cute adorable and fun it's <laughs> it's it's not about being a serious film it's not about thinking of the ramifications of what would happen if arguably the greatest band in history didn't exist it's all about how this guy is using his memory of the beatles to further his own career because he's an aspiring musician himself he sings it's him singing, unlike uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. So <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. He's a very talented singer. He's not obviously not on the Beatles level, but he can he can sing their songs really well. As someone that just fucking adores the Beatles music, this movie was it just hit home to me. It was just so lovely and fun. I'm not spoiling anything because he's in the trailer. But Ed Sheeran is prominently featured throughout this movie. And he is having the fucking time of his life. And he allows himself and his image to be mocked. And allows himself to look a little foolish and to have fun in this movie. And that made it even better for me. I'm, I don't have a real huge opinion on Ed Sheeran. I've heard some of his music. It's great. It sounds great. The man has talent. And this movie is having is poking fun at him and his talent. It's this movie is so much fun. It's just a fun movie and it's one that I'm going to be watching over and over and over again throughout my life and that's why it's my number 10. 
I love that pick. That's such that's such a good pick. It's personal. It's it's fun. Um, I'm sad that I didn't go out to see this movie this year because I know how much you liked it. Um, I too am a big fan of the Beatles. I think we talked about this in, in yes. last week's episode. Um, I do love me some Beatles, especially like their psychedelic era, um, sort of like I am the walrus sorts of songs. Um, I, I also like Ed Sheeran, by the way, I am primarily a rock and metal fan as far as music goes, but as far as pop artists go, I actually do really have a soft spot for Ed <laughs> Sheeran. I think he's a really, really talented songwriter and a funny guy. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna have to move this up. I'm jotting these down as I go along. I have a feeling that there's gonna be a few on your list at least that I'm gonna be like, damn, I gotta watch this movie. Yeah, it's gonna be one of them. In all honesty, Sam, this movie is so much fun. I think I might just add this to the list of movies that we're gonna review very quickly because I that would sounds like fun. I would really love to talk about this movie with you, especially even more so now knowing you're an Ed Sheeran fan. I yeah. definitely. I, I, you know what? I think you and I mentioned earlier off air that we're going to start mapping out some future episodes. I'm, I think I'm going to have, I'm going to throw this right to the top of the list. Boom! This I love is, that. Yeah, love that pick. Uh, so my favorite scene is <laughs> there's so many. So I'm just going to kind of pick one because there are there's definitely some favorite scenes that I would probably pick, but they're kind of spoilery. So I'm going to pick a not so spoilery scene. And it's just where Jack is trying to sing Let It Be to his parents. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about how this scene works and everything that goes with it. Uh, I am pumped, pumped to watch this, um, watch this with you. My favorite quote, uh, again, I have to... It, this is in the trailer, and that's, why, again, why I picked this. There are some other quotes I like, but I, I, I wanted to pick something without spoiling too much <clears throat> because I, I knew in my heart that this is a movie I wanted to discuss with you, Sam. So this is the, the scene is Jack has just recorded Hey Jude and Ed Sheeran is helping him with it and trying to understand why he's picked Jude. So scene starts off Ed Sheeran. I do have a suggestion, though, about the song. The title, Hey Jude. Jude is just, it's a bit old-fashioned. That was the kid's name, right? And Jack's like, what kid? And Ed's like, that the song's about. Jack's like, oh, right, the kid, the kid. Yes, yeah, the sad kid. So Ed Sheeran goes, now let me just give you this advice, right? Song title. I won't charge you a penny for it as well. Hey, dude. (laughs) Oh man! And that's just bastardizing one of the most important songs in modern music history. That's all. That's yes, all. yes. Uh, that's in the trailer, so I didn't feel bad about that quote. But there are yeah. there are numerous other Beatle jokes and quotes that I would love to, but I don't want to spoil anything. Please, for those of you listening, if you like the Beatles at all, go and rent this right now. Right now. There. That's my number ten. Yesterday. Bada bing, bada boom. We are on our way. Yes. Sam, your number 10 film of 2019. I have a feeling we'll be waiting to discuss this one, but my number 10 is Little Women. Little Women is not on my list. Not on your list. That is very interesting. I love that it's on yours. Are you a member of the Academy? I didn't see you there. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, Little Women was nominated for no fewer than six Oscars, um, none of which were Best Director, by the way. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress for Saoirse Ronan, Best Supporting Actress for Florence Pugh, Best Original Screenplay, or sorry, Best Adapted Screenplay, pardon me, uh, Best Original Score, Best Costume Design. Um, it did win one of those. It won Best Costume Design, if memory serves. Sure did. Um, it was written and directed by Greta Gerwig, has a meta score of 91. Uh, the plot is that Joe March reflects back and forth on her life, telling the beloved story of the March sisters, four young women, each determined to live life on their own terms. So, this was not on Manny's list, but uh, this was actually a last-minute addition to mine. I think I couldn't, um, in all honesty, cut it from my list uh, in favor of some of the other ones um, due to a number of the technical aspects of it. It is an insanely well-directed movie. Um, I think if this uh, movie proves anything, this movie and Lady Bird, it's that Greta Gerwig is an excellent actor's director. She, if nothing else, can get excellent performances out of her entire cast because between this and Lady Bird, there's not a weak performance in the bunch. I mean, look no further than the Best Actress nomination for Saoirse Ronan, the Best Supporting Actress for Florence Pugh. Um... Can I interject? Is, can I just interject quickly? Of course. Of course I, I I I want to piggyback on exactly what you said. She's directed two films and has gotten four acting nominations from those from those two films. That is not easy to do. No, not easy to do. Um, so I I I like a lot of things about this movie. I haven't actually seen the um, uh, I can't remember the actress's name. Uh, I haven't seen the previous Little Women. Winona uh, Ryder. Yeah, when I haven't, I've not seen the Winona Ryder uh, Little Women. I think there's, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's three, possibly four film versions of this of this yeah. book. So this is the only one that I've seen. Yeah. I should mention. Um, one of the things I like about it, and one of the things that I understand is different than all these ad- uh, other adaptations, is that it's told very non-linearly. It's told in a way that reflects the past and the present and plays them off of each other. And there are some aspects of that that are really effective. Um, there's um, one moment in particular, and again, I think I forgot to say this off the top, but we're not going to be spoiling this movie. So I'm going to do my best not oh, right, to. Oh, correct, right? Yeah, I'm going to try not to spoil this movie, but there's one parallel that's drawn between past and present. Um, that just the juxtaposition of these two scenes is so gutting and so heartbreaking. Oh. It's a very effective transition between the two. Oh, I know um, exactly what you're talking about. It is superbly done. Yeah, it, it, the fact that that wasn't in any of the other versions, all of these other directors should be kicking themselves for not thinking of this idea. It's brilliant. Um, from what I understand, the ending is also different. Um, and I actually, to be honest with you, uh, didn't love the ending of this movie, at least on first watch. Um, I have in, in my discussions with some people about this movie, I'm being told I'm being a little bit too sensitive about the ending. But the fact that it's a little bit fourth wall breaky and it's a little bit too cutesy wink towards the camera for me. Um, but I mean, uh, that, that's if that's the worst thing about this movie, then it's spectacular. Um, mainly, I think this movie is just uh, supremely well acted from front to back. Um, a number of excellent performances, even outside the nominations and side characters. Bob Odenkirk shows up in this movie for some reason. I loved it. <laughs> Better Call Saul. <laughs> Uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to add on Little Women? Uh, I, I love this movie, and mm-hmm. I kind of gave my thoughts about it a few episodes back when I talked about when I saw it in the theater. I don't think you'd seen it at that point. I don't if, think that I had. No. If my memory serves correct. So, yeah, because I don't remember you really chiming in that much on, as I was running my mouth. 
I was astounded by uh, Greta Gerwig's direction, her choices. The nonlinear timeline was such an excellent choice. It, this movie was worthy of all its nominations. Like we've said numerous times, the the only she's the only female director I think that got snubbed this year. I would def I would definitely replace her. I would replace Todd Phillips with Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the film is absolutely spectacular. It's so well acted. Saoirse Ronan is a force to be reckoned with. I think this is her fourth nomination already, and she's 25. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. Florence Pugh, she's, I think we're, we're witnessing the rise of a superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I, I haven't seen it, but she's in, uh, she was in a horror movie this year that did really well called Midsommar. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that so bad. That's one that I unfortunately didn't watch. Same director and writer as uh, Hereditary. Yeah, and the the ending of, of Midsommar has been spoiled for me. Oh, shitty. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm fine. It's a horror film. Probably not watching it anyways. Yeah. But I heard she's really good in it. She, We could watch this star explode as she is in the upcoming Black Widow movie. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, and I was a big fan of her performance in this movie. Uh, I, I'm going to be keeping my eye on Florence Pugh. And, of course, everything that Saoirse Ronan does is amazing. I really want to kind of look back at some of her other films that I didn't get to see, like Brooklyn. And uh, Oh, you didn't see Brooklyn? I huh? haven't seen Brooklyn. I've heard great things. I, I, it's okay. It's for its genre, which is admittedly I am not its target demographic. Uh, it's pretty good. Okay. Worthy of worthy of the nom. Not upset that it didn't win too much. Okay, um, and th- this just kind of it was this movie that finally cemented. Now it had been the concrete had been poured, <laughs> but it hadn't dried on my appreciation of Timothy Chalamet. Oh man, I love that guy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I I'm I'm all in on this kid. I'm all in on this kid. He this this guy has a brilliant future ahead of him. And I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing moving forward. He's in two two very big movies this year. Well, one he's in one huge film that Sam and I will most likely be discussing later on. I will, we'll be talking. <laughs> and then he's in another highly anticipated film for a lot of film nerds out there as he's in the new Wes Anderson movie as well. Oh, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. And yeah, the, it, the there's there was nothing weak about Little Women. It was a great movie, and Greta Gerwig is a talent that I'll be following very closely going forward. Beauty. Love all of that. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet, um, if memory serves, in the top 10 of 2017, our first episode ever, I had Call Me By Your Name somewhere in like the 7-8 slot, and I don't know if it made your list. I had. I don't believe I had seen it. All right. But yeah. at the time that we did our list, because, yeah, definitely, I, I know that we didn't because I can recall the episode, you talking about his fun with fruit, and I didn't know what yes. you were discussing. <laughs> yeah, he does have fun with fruit in that movie. Yes. And that's a, that's not a slur either. Not even a slur. <laughs> so yeah, um my favorite quote from this movie is from my favorite scene in this movie. So I'm just going to read it off. It's Sir Ronan um 
really solidifying her nomination. Her emotion in this scene I will not be able to capture, unfortunately, but nonetheless, I love the writing of this quote. Women have minds and souls as well as just hearts, and they've got ambition and talent as well as just beauty, and I'm sick of people saying that love is all a woman is fit for. Her delivery of that line oh, is so powerful. I love it. So good. Yeah. In this I movie. think I audibly said damn after that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my 10th favorite movie of the year was Little Women. No regrets about this pick. Wicked. Excellent pick. All <laughs> right. My number <laughs> 9 pick of 2019 is a movie that Sam I know is not on your list. Oh. Yeah, because I don't think that you enjoyed this movie anywhere near as much as I did. Second consecutive. Interesting. Yes. Okay. And that's Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, you are correct on all counts, my friend. Ford v. Ferrari, not on my list. Yeah, it's directed by James Mangle, written by Jez Butterworth and John Henry Butterworth, uh, both uh, sons of Mrs. Butterworth. Cast, <laughs> Matt Damon, Christian Bale, I don't know Tracy Letts. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> a Metascore of 80. The plot, American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the law of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1966. I went into this movie with pretty high expectations. The reviews I was hearing about it obviously were really good with a meta score of 81. And for me, this was a throwback to the kinds of movies that I grew up on where you took... Two extremely talented actors, you found this amazing chemistry between them, and you let these two movie stars be movie stars. Now, the good thing that we have today with Matt Damon and Christian Bale is Matt Damon and Christian Bale also happen to be two of the best actors working in Hollywood today. And they give two spectacular performances where I don't think Matt was quite up to the level of a nomination, but if Bale had gotten a nomination, it wouldn't have shocked me at all. Their chemistry between them throughout the film is superb. You just want to see these two guys on screen together, bantering to one another, basically playing up a real and honest male friendship. It's two guys that are trying to work together, like to make fun of one another, have this chemistry, have this connection, and watching them on screen was just pure joy. The cinematography in this film is jaw-dropping. And this, knowing that a lot of it was done practical, the cars were done practically, there's not a ton of CGI, it was an absolute joy to watch on screen. And Tracy Letts as Henry Ford, I think Henry Ford Jr. or Henry Ford III, I can't remember which one he is, I guess I could look it up. Junior, I want to say. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's Junior as well. Just double check to make sure I am. Henry Ford II. He is just chewing the scenery, just eating the biggest ham sandwich that he could. He's bathing in the river of ham and having a blast doing it. I'm a big fan of Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts was in the film you were just talking about in Little Women. Uh, he also played the dad in Lady Bird. He's the, he's the publisher in Little Women, if you weren't sure who he right. is. Right, yeah. Okay. And it was just an absolute joy. I had... I had a great time watching this movie and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it's I'm it actually just got released on Blu-ray this week. I will be picking it up and it's a movie that I will be rewatching again 
just like the, the my number 10 it's a movie that i could see myself watching over and over again numerous times yeah, this movie uh, didn't quite make the cut for me. I talked about it a little bit last week uh, because I had just recently watched it. Um, I think uh, you are completely right that it has the rewatchability factor going for it. I, if memory serves, uh, qualified this as like a, a fun sports movie with a glossy finish. Um, but there, there were enough things that bothered me in it. Uh, in particular, some of the cheesy dialogue, it was very cheesy and some of the, uh, ham sandwich performances, as you put it, uh, in particular, it, not, uh, not Henry Ford, the second, but the other one, the, the Josh marketing. Lucas. Yeah. The, Leo, the, Leo BB. Yeah, there you go. Um, I actually really found his character to be grating at times. I, uh, I, I really found a lot of his dialogue and his motivation is just overly cliche kind of annoying you're not wrong about anything that you said the performances are both very good i love the chemistry between the two of them they come off as a great set of friends one of the better scenes in this movie is a, is a fist fight that they get into <laughs> uh it's, it's really fun um so there's there's all sorts of great friendship moments in this movie um but yeah it fell short for me there was enough that i that i disliked that it uh that it fell off the list yeah i can respect that my favorite scene of the movie is when uh, Carol Shelby takes Ford the second for a test drive. It's uh, a real great performance by Tracy Letts where you think his reaction is one thing, but it's not. And it shows some real character and some real feelings from Henry Ford the second. A very close second is that fight that you talked about between yeah. <laughs> Carol Shelby and Ken Giles. I absolutely love that scene. It makes me laugh every time. I actually don't have a favorite quote. I found a few. I just couldn't find, and I, I think that ties in exactly what you said. The dialogue in this movie isn't great. There's probably some, a couple, the only ones I had would be me almost having to recreate the whole scene to get like a Ken Giles shot because he takes uh a lot of shots at people. I do want to correct you. I I wasn't sure you said it the first time, but you've said Ken Giles twice. Uh, it is not oh. the Blue Jays star closer who is in this movie. It Ken, was Ken uh, Miles. Ken, Ken Miles would yeah. be the name of the character. And that's why and that's why this was originally a baseball and movies podcast. <laughs> and that's correct. Yes. Yes. All right. So my number nine, Ford v Ferrari. Sam. Means. What is your number nine film? For the third year in a row. A horror movie makes an appearance on Sam's top ten of the year. What the That would fuck? be the movie Us. That is not on my list. Because you didn't see it. Yep. And because you probably wouldn't have liked it as much as I did. Uh, you know what? The more I hear about this film, the more I am intrigued by it. And it has my one of my girlfriends in it who I have heard was robbed of a nomination. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. She got nominated for the Sampa, though, yeah. uh, on my behalf. So Perfect. Sam, <laughs> um, tell us about Us. Us was nominated and won, nominated for and won the same amount of, amount of Oscars. That would be a big goose egg. Uh, got shut out. Uh, it was written and directed by Mr. Jordan Peele. This is his sophomore effort after Get Out. Uh, it has a Metascore of 81 currently. The plot, a family's serene be beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. Now, like I said, this is a follow-up for Jordan Peele to his 2017 horror masterpiece, Get Out, which, if memory serves, Manny, uh, was on both of our lists. 
Nope. It wasn't on yours, eh? Nope. Oh, okay. That's a shame. By the way, I promise I'm going to stop saying if memory serves tonight. I'm pretty sure that's like the fifth time I've said that. Uh, <laughs> um, it's not as good, in my opinion, uh, but it is a very strong second effort. Um, the comedy in this movie, uh, first of all, is... Fantastic as always. Jordan Peele does come from a comedy background. Uh, he's known from Key and Peele. He's known from uh, Mad TV. Um, but really, it's the creativity and the originality that wins the movie. Um, through the entire thing, the plot just has layers peeled back. And he, he finds really creative ways in the writing to keep upping the stakes. Just when you think the situation couldn't get bad or dire enough, he keeps finding ways to make you realize that it's even more serious of a situation than it is. And I'm doing my very best to not talk in spoilers here because uh, because I really recommend everyone go see this movie, especially horror fans if they haven't already. Um, Lupita Nyong'o, as you alluded to, Manny, uh, has a fantastic performance, as she does in basically everything that she's in. Uh, she does play two characters. She plays uh, herself, uh, this the main character, Adelaide, and she plays uh, her doppelganger, who is this... Uh, <clears throat> you, you don't really know where these doppelgangers are coming from in the beginning of the movie, but they look exactly like them. They speak like they have laryngitis, um, and, they, uh, and they're incredibly creepy and murderous. Um, so it, it's it's a really cool mystery that they, that I had a lot of fun solving along the way. Of course, longtime listeners of the show will know that I'm a big baby with horror movies. So, yes, I was scared shitless for most of us. Um, but nonetheless, I did very much like it. Jordan Peele uh, has a way uh, with his directing uh, of inserting things into the movie that are very... Um, uh, very, I would say subtle, but important. I love, uh, the, the movie is rich with symbolism and visual storytelling. The use of the color red, uh, all of the doppelgangers are dressed in red, and I love the way they use the color red in the movie. It's very, uh, <clears throat> very thought-provoking. And the ending. The ending is um, somewhat open-ended. Again, not going to be spoiling this, but it's the kind of ending that leaves you asking questions, which I love. It's a very thought-provoking ending. Um, Manny, was it solely the uh fact that this is a horror movie that prevented you from going to see it it was also it came out in i think in february or march that's right and i just i don't think i had the time i just didn't it, the horror thing definitely played up the fact that i didn't really want to watch it i probably will end up going to revisit this at some point Good. I, I think you should, because it's uh, it's one that I think, even as a non-horror fan, you should uh, you should definitely check out. Um, my favorite scene is uh, the one I was just talking about. It's the ending. Um, it I, I I don't even want to spoil it, but it's very open-ended. Um, the ending is two of the characters staring at each other, being shaken by the events of the movie and contemplating the ramifications of them that's the best way i can describe it without spoiling anything nice uh um my favorite quote that there's one of the funniest moments in the movie is uh another family not the primary one that we follow another family that they're friends with uh winds up being in trouble in the movie and there's this ongoing joke you know um alexa like the um like the sort of like a google home sort of thing yeah like, for uh, iphone yeah exactly no. so 
not not for iPhone, but no. I, I can't even remember what. It, I think it's for. I know what you're talking about. For like Android or some. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a hundred years old at age like 23. Um, but there's a there's a. Uh, a same sort of idea in this movie. There's a character, Ophelia, who's like a voice-activated, uh, voice-activated sort of thing. At one point, when this family's in danger, they say, "Ophelia, call the police," and then it goes, "Okay, playing fuck the police by N.W.A." <laughs> <laughs> and then, the, uh, then uh, some people get murdered to the soundtrack of N.W.A. and it's fantastic. <laughs> well done. So yeah, ninth favorite movie of the year was Us. We're moving right along. Manny, number eight. My number eight is Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 did not make the cut for me. Wow. No, it did not. Uh, this is directed by Josh Cooley, written by Andrew Stanton and Stephanie Folsom, a cast of Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Annie Potts, and Christina Hendricks. It has a meta score of 84. The plot? When a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang, a road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. And you really do have a soft spot for Forky, don't you? I do. Forky <laughs> won my Sampa for best vocal performance from Tony Hale. Forky, I... Oh, where is he? Hey, buddy. Oh, he's right behind you there. There he is. Hey, Forks. I see you there, Forky. Hey, Forks, Forks. <laughs> uh, I love this movie, and I won't lie. Part of it is because it's one of the films I went and saw my with my daughter, and I love going there, and... It's Toy Story, and for those of you that have listened to this podcast, everyone knows what this franchise means to me. It means a lot. It's, whew, come on, I would even say Toy Story might be a top five franchise for me in regards to my enjoyment level and actually what it means to me. I think that's a reasonable statement. Yeah. It's funny. I'm, I'm, I guess not. Well, number one would have to be the MCU. That's a bold statement, but I also don't disagree with you. Yeah, I think it would have to be. That's something I definitely want to think about. Okay. Well, as uh, we found out last week, it's not Star Wars. Yeah, fucking... That might have fallen out of my top ten. Um, Whoa! Yeah. Man, we should, that's that's an episode right there. Favorite franchises. Oh, fuck. We gotta write, we're writing that fucking that's, down. I'm writing that down right now. That's an episode. Fucking rights. It's my love of Forky is what helps elevate this movie. One of the things I've actually kind of started to realize is while, yes, this is Toy Story, this is more of a Woody movie than a Toy Story movie, in all honesty. While Buzz and the gang are in it, they don't feature as prominently as they do in the other films. And this is a real... Almost a nice send-off to Woody. Is there going to be a Toy Story 5? I, I wouldn't be surprised because this movie made a fuck ton of money. And I'm okay with them making another one because I thought Toy Story 3 was the perfect ending to the Toy Story franchise. And then they made this, and I was scared, and I went and saw it, and it's my number eight film of the year. Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom is a fucking joy which if i'm not if i'm not mistaken is your sampa winner for best yeah, vocal performance. winner of the 2019 sampa for best uh vocal performance uh the sam winner that is yeah the sam winner uh I, is that making me the paw winner i, I believe i mean <laughs> you are older than i am so <laughs> uh keanu reeves is absolutely phenomenal uh key and peel are having the time of their lives 
in this movie it's it's an, an absolute joy and i i want to revisit this movie very quickly i i i keep thinking about it there's so much that i enjoyed about it and not to mention it's come on it's fucking pixar <laughs> they're the masters of animation the fact that Pixar uh, did not make my list this year uh, should be gutting to me, and it kind of is a little bit. I, I have no good reason why this movie didn't make the list. It was everything that you just said. Um, it hit all the beats that a Toy Story movie should. There's the cry scene. There's there's a uh, a good villain. I love Gabby Gabby, actually. Yeah, I'm um, actually kind of upset uh, she didn't make my top villains list. Yeah, she was a last-minute cut from mine. But um, one of the things I loved about Toy Story 4 that I don't know if I heard you touch on the animation from Toy Story 1 to Toy Story 4 is night and day. Oh. It, the technology that the era that we are living in um, with the animation that Pixar is putting out right now is phenomenal. It's breathtaking. Um, the opening scene of Toy Story, uh, Toy Story 4, is uh, one of the most beautiful things I've seen on a screen, animated or otherwise. It's uh, I was jaw dropped immediately in this movie. Um, if I had to pull a reason out of my ass why it didn't make my top ten, I think it would just be that it's it probably suffers from comparisons. It's uh, it's just simply not as good as uh, some of the other Toy Story movies, which is which shouldn't even be a knock against it, honestly. But the fact that I love Toy Story 2 and 3 and liked Toy Story, the original, uh, a decent amount. Uh, this had some large shoes to fill, um, especially it, it also suffered from the fact that, kind of like you, I was nervous that this movie existed in the first place. So it needed to be that good. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it wasn't, but that by, that's barely even the fault of the movie. It's, it's a very well-made movie. It's a lot of fun. It's very funny. Um, uh, like you said, Forky, uh, is one of the funnest characters in it. Um, but yeah, it just, it, there was so many good movies this year that something had to fall. Yeah. I, and I, that's what I was going to say. I was like, one of the other reasons this probably didn't make your list is the strength of this year's films. Yeah, completely. Like I'm looking at all of these and uh, even my honorable mentions, I'm like, damn, some of these should have made the list. Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene is, uh, Ducky and Bunny explaining their plan. <laughs> it is yeah. absolute fucking joy to watch um, oh. my favorite quote is uh, I, there's a tie and it's easy because they're both one word so either my favorite quote of the movie is either kaboom or trash <laughs> I, think, I think trash should be the winner of those two personally that's my number eight Sam your number eight film is? I have been wrong once already, but I suspect this will be on your list as well. Um, it is a movie that I found myself arguing against when we talked about it in episode 67. Uh, but nonetheless, I quite like it. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is on my list. I imagine it's quite a bit higher. Uh, you might, Or higher, at you, least. You might say it's higher. Okay. It's higher. Oops, so, we... We'll, uh, we'll put a pin in that for right now. Uh, Manny, what was your seventh favorite movie of the year? My number seven film is Marriage Story. On my list, Manny. All right. And it's higher. All right. Now we're getting into one of these, because I think my number seven will also be on your list, and it will also be higher. Uh, that's Parasite. 
It is on my list, <laughs> and it is higher. God damn it. Okay, number six. My number six film is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. By the way, sorry, I'm just trying to copy down your list at the same time. Your seven was... What, sorry? Marriage Story. Marriage Story, and then six is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah. Cool. All right. You go for it, my friend. Do you have, do you have the info on it? Yeah. Okay, uh, you go for it. Directed, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Marco Robbie, has a meta score of 83. The plot, a faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969 Los Angeles. Oh, the myriad of reasons why I like this film. It's fucking Tarantino. Tarantino, easily one of my top five directors. Arguably one of my favorite three. Definitely top five. Definitely top five. The writing in this movie is superb. Leo, once again, displaying why he's arguably this generation's greatest actor. Brad Pitt in an Oscar-winning performance is just a charm factory. (laughs) There's so many great scenes, I don't even know where to begin. Now, a lot of people had a problem with Bruce Lee's appearance in this movie. I did not. No. A lot of people had a problem with the violence in this movie. I did not. I am a huge fan of this movie. I actually, in all honesty, if I had probably rewatched this prior to this list, I bet you this would have been higher on my list. But for now, it's number six. Sam, why is it your number seven? Uh, it was my number eight. Eight. Number eight. Um, yeah, I, I, I love so much about this movie. Uh, it's classic tarantino revenge porn honestly (laughs) the ending to this movie is just his basically his wet dream of uh of the perfect real life revenge um i've heard the term uh love letter to the movies used to describe this and i think that's a pretty good uh pretty good analogy this movie is about hollywood it's about um the love of movies it's about an actor it's about uh it's about his stunt double um it's arguably i think the funniest Tarantino movie. I don't know if you would agree with that sentiment, but this is arguably the, if not the funniest, then the purest comedy. It is the closest to a pure comedy of any of his movies. Um, I think Leo's character is, uh, is comedic gold the whole way. He's such an insecure baby of a character. Uh, he, he, I love these ticks that he throws in, uh, such a talented actor. He has this stutter when he gets nervous or when he gets upset, um the bruce lee sequence i thought was excellent as well um the thing that i kind of alluded to earlier i found myself arguing uh, on the con side of this movie a lot when we talked about it in episode i think uh i said 67 67 uh we talked about this movie um the inclusion of margot robbie as sharon tate in this movie kind of left me scratching my head um i do understand uh why the decision was made i i it, it, if i were to summarize it i would say it's sort of like um, the implicit threat of violence 
is sort of the undercurrent of the movie the whole way um, because you know what's supposed to happen. Yes. I, I didn't really uh, feel the effects of that the way it was supposed to happen, I don't think. Um, I, th- I, I think it may have just been that I felt that Margot Robbie was a little bit underutilized. Um, I don't know if you really want to rehash this argument right now, but you can you can say what you want to say. No. You have something on your mind right now? No, I'm good. <laughs> if you want to hear us yell and scream at each other for a little bit, you can go back and listen to the episode because we do get into that a lot. Um, but overall, the movie's hilarious. It's uh, very well written. The conclusion is so cathartic and great and classic Tarantino. I didn't even talk about Brad Pitt, but he won the goddamn Oscar for supporting actor, and God is it well deserved. Um, I my maybe my favorite Brad Pitt moment, or one of the many excellent Brad Pitt moments in this movie. Which, by the way, the funniest he's ever been in a movie, I would say. Um, what what would you put ahead of it? Uh, have you seen the Mexican? I have not. He's pretty fucking funny in that one. Okay, the Mexican is a candidate. I mean, he's he's a very funny guy in a lot of his movies. Yes. Uh, underrated comedic chops. Uh, 100%. Um, but the moment that I love is uh, where it's implied that he killed his wife. Yeah. It's, Im- it's implied pretty heavily that he killed his wife. <laughs> and uh, and that is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And he doesn't even really do a whole lot in, his, in that scene other than just sit there and contemplate what would happen if he murdered her. <laughs> Yes, uh, but it's a very, very funny moment. Um, do you want to? Do you want to go with your favorite scene? The ending. The ending I actually had written down and just erased it because the scene uh, of Leo in the trailer berating himself for being a terrible actor. Uh, that's uh, that's probably my favorite moment. Uh, but the ending is a close second. The ending is fucking superb. It's fucking <laughs> superb. Uh, I did actually. I rewatched the uh, just the ending uh, <laughs> in in preparation for this episode, and fuck again. Brad Pitt being hilarious. Um, well, actually, that's my I, favorite uh, quote. That's that's my favorite quote too. <laughs> nah, it was dumber than that. Something like Rex. That's my favorite quote. <laughs> um, mine was even before that when he recognizes them at first. He says, "Oh, I know you. I know all three of you." Spawn Ranch. Yeah, Spawn Ranch. I don't know your name, but I remember that hair. And you, I remember your little white face. And you were on a horsey. <laughs> <laughs> As he's just tripping balls on acid. Yes. It's fucking hilarious the way he says it. And then, yeah, he does, says the whole thing about uh, Tex after that. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, really, really good movie. Uh, highly recommend anyone to go see it. My number eight, Manny's number six. Awesome. So, Sam... What's your number six? I would not be surprised if this is another one we're going to have to wait to talk about. Number six, Booksmart. That is not... Just kidding, it's on my list. Oh, you, you fucking had me there. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's on your list. Okay. It is uh, 100% on my list. So move on to your number five then. My number five... Jeez, I can't even remember if you said... No, you've, you've seen this. So I'm hoping this is on your list. Okay. But if it's not, I'm not, I am not. won't blame you. But my number five, Knives Out. Manny, Knives Out is on my list. Knives Out is my number five. Oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, here, you took the lead on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so I'm going to go ahead on this one if that's quite all right with you. 100%. It was only nominated for a singular Oscar, Best Original Screenplay, and it 
definitely lost that. Uh, it was written and directed by Ryan Johnson, has a Metascore of 82. Uh, the plot is that a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. Manny, the whodunit genre Ugh. is completely underutilized. Um, it, it turns out that there are there are more people who can write uh, about whodunits in this day and age. It seems like such an old timey genre, a genre of of days gone by. But goddamn, if this isn't one of the funnest movies I saw this year. Uh, we talked a little bit about Ryan Johnson last week uh, and The Last Jedi and how we both like that movie, but it's very, very polarizing, of course. Um, Ryan Johnson also wrote and directed a movie that we both love called Looper, which we just recorded an episode about not too long ago. Um, is Ryan Johnson, after this movie, safely one of the funnest writers and directors working in Hollywood right now? Yes, and that that's I've seen his entire filmography i'm pretty sure i have i'll double i'll have to double check that i'm almost positive that i've seen everything that he's done he is a superb storyteller and i am i was already on board with ryan johnson after after looper so looking at his filmography yeah i've I didn't discover him. I can't remember who rem- who uh, recommended that I watch Brick. That's in 2005. Then he did a short film I haven't seen. Then in 2008, he did The Brothers Bloom, which I, which I was excited to watch after seeing Brick, and I enjoyed it. Then he did a little – he must have done something else because his next film wasn't until 2012, and that's Looper. And after Looper, I was fucking on board. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the man. And then when I hear that he got a Star Wars film, I was excited. And when he his the Last Jedi, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I think we might have said it, but I'll just repeat it again. I do agree that he, he I don't like how he treats the Luke Skywalker character, but I love everything else that he did in that Star Wars film. Yes, I understand that's an unpopular opinion. That's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. If you disagree with me, you're more than welcome to disagree, and your love of Star Wars can continue, even though the fact that we disagree with one another. What a beautiful land we live in. Yes. Where disagreements are possible. So when he announced that he was doing an original film, I was pumped because I was like, please, just do original films because Looper was easily in my top ten of 2012, if not my number one. I'd have to take a a hard look back and see what possibly could have beaten it. And Knives Out, like you said, was one of the funnest times I had in the theater. I was sitting there giddy the whole time, wondering how this is going to work. And then, uh, we're not going to spoil anything, but they... they show something in the kind of the middle of the film where you're like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) And then it just keeps going, and you're just like... I don't get how this is going to resolve itself. This is astounding. <laughs> and it was an absolute blast. And Daniel Craig is having the time of his life as Benoit Blanc. And it's just been officially announced that they are making another Knives Out movie. They are... <clears throat> the Benoit Blanc universe is about to unfold. And I am... <laughs> 100% on board. The BBEU. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) No, uh, Daniel Craig is someone that I grew up with. Uh, He was James Bond to me. Um, He's obviously been in a ton of other movies, some of which we've talked about on the show. Um, But Daniel Craig, my introduction to him was Casino Royale. And since then, I've always been intrigued watching his other roles. This is so against type for him. He's kind of wacky and kooky, and he's got this really sort of silly southern accent that he puts on for the entire movie. But it's really fun. He he chews on the scenery. It's just a touch hammy, just a touch of a hammy performance, but just the right amount. He tunes it in so well. Uh, Anna de Armas gives a surprisingly deep performance. She, uh, she, I, I don't know her from a whole lot. I, I shouldn't have even thrown the word surprisingly in there. That was a backhanded compliment. She gives a very uh, a performance filled with lots of depth in it, um, and very very excellent. The supporting cast, everyone from Jamie Lee Curtis to Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, um, all of them have uh, have really excellent uh, chemistry. And I, I think one of the things that makes this movie good is the writing of all these side characters and how it fills out the world and how they all have their own relationships and quibbles and insecurities and and history and in in a really short movie um i don't have the runtime ahead of me right now 130 minutes so i guess it's longer than i thought it was so in just over two hours they flesh out this huge family dynamic yes um in a way that makes the movie so much more interesting and so much more unpredictable um i had a lot of fun watching knives out i was not expecting it to be as good as it was um even though it was ryan johnson i was kind of like yeah okay i'll go check out this movie and i was blown away it's it's incredibly fun yeah i agree 100 percent. sam what was your favorite scene Fave scene, uh, I can't get into it too much, but it's Benoit Blanc wrapping up the story, the, the whole, the picture coming into it all together, it, it all getting wrapped up very nicely. The most satisfying part of arguably any whodunit mystery. I, I agree, but for me, it was actually the, the, <laughs> the replay of what happened in the middle of the film. Ah, uh, yes. That's about all I could say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Your okay. favorite quote? Uh, it's Benoit Blanc. I'm not going to try, uh, or Benoit <laughs> Blanc, I guess. I'm not going to try to do the accent, but uh, I spoke in the car about the hole at the center of this donut. And yes, what you and Harlan did that faithful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in the donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see that the donut hole has a hole in its center. And it is not a donut hole at all, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not a hole at all. <laughs> That's that my... took all sorts of discipline to read that without stumbling. That's mine as well. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous line, but I love it. It's I love it. so good. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so I guess we will go on to you. Knives Out was both of our number fives. Manny, what's your fourth favorite movie of 2019? My fourth film is the Best Picture winner of the 92nd Academy Awards, and that is... The South Korean film, Parasite. Beautiful. This was my number seven. Why don't you take the lead on this? Awesome. This is directed and written by uh, Bong Joon-ho, cast of Kang Ho-song, Sung Kyung Lee, Young Jung Jo. Uh, has a Metascore of 96 to give you an idea of what kind of film we're talking about here. The plot, all unemployed, Kai Tech and his family take peculiar interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks as they ingratiate themselves into their lives and get entangled in an unexpected incident sorry i wasn't listening can you go through the cast list one more time please? yeah it's Can kang hong so okay. sun kyung lee yo jong jo 
Perfect. You nailed it. Thank you. Two for two. That's Thanks. Not bad. Thanks. <laughs> I probably butchered those those names. So. No, you nailed it. As a as a as the resident South Korean expert on this show, <laughs> uh, I can tell you that you pronounced everyone perfectly. Wow, South Korean and German. Good for you. Yeah. <clears throat> I really hope nobody took that as serious. I know I know absolutely this much about South Korean, and I'm holding up a zero. Yes. If uh, <laughs> if any of our South Korean listeners were offended by my pronunciation, I apologize. Yeah, and um, I apologize for making him do it again. Yes, this film is one of the few times that a movie has lived up to the hype. I didn't get to see Parasite until close... Well, I didn't get to see it until it was released on Blu-ray, well after the Oscar nominations, well after the hype of this movie had built, well after all the podcasts I listened to, list, most of them listed it as their top film of the year. If not, most of them were at least top three, top five. So when I sat down to watch this film, it had some hefty, lofty expectations to meet. And it fucking Barry Bonds the shit out of it and knocked it out of the park. It, <laughs> it took steroids? It oh, no, took, sorry. It knocked it out of the park. It fucking crushed it. It was a fucking joy to watch this film. And it goes in places you don't expect and does things that you don't anticipate. And as film nerds, that is always such a joy to experience. This movie starts off as a comedy, transforms into a thriller, and then transforms again into a horror film, and then ends in pure brilliance. This movie is... Everything you hear about this movie is fucking true. Please, if you have not seen Parasite, I'm not going to spoil a goddamn thing because I want people to go into this knowing and eagerly anticipating and getting to experience the film the way I did. Yeah, I agree. I went into this movie essentially blind. Uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, got onto my radar after uh, the movie Snowpiercer starring Chris Evans, which is a super fun, crazy sci-fi movie. If you've ever seen Snowpiercer, which is another movie, I'm not even going to get into the plot because you should go into it blind. Um, when I heard that guy was making a movie that was being considered one of the best of the year and a potential Oscar winner, I knew I had to watch it. Uh, Manny, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How do you feel about Bong Joon-ho fun facts? I'm a big fan. Fire in the Would away. you like one? I Fuck yes. Bong Joon-ho has been nominated several times for Korean Film Awards, of course. He's been nominated for no fewer than 55 of them in his short filmography. Jesus uh, fuck. Of those 55 nominations, he has won no fewer than 55 of them. <laughs> Holy shit. He does not lose. If when he showed up to the Oscars, if somebody told him that, hey, he shouldn't prepare a speech because there's no chance his movie's going to win, he doesn't know the meaning of the word lose. He doesn't do it. His movies are too good. Oh, that is spectacular. I was blown away by that fact. It doesn't seem like it should be true, but I promise it is. People on Reddit told me it was, and why would people lie on the internet? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but to get into the actual movie, I guess, which I probably should, um, it surprised me um, at every turn, like you said. Um, like I was talking about with the movie Us, it just continually finds ways to add layers to the plot, keep the stakes up, keep it interesting, keep the momentum going. 
Um, one of the reasons I think this movie just transcended all different cultures is that it's about capitalism at its source. It, it sort of has the ability to be touched by everyone. Actually, there was a quote by Bong Joon-ho about this. I meant to look up and totally forgot to. Um, but it's really about capitalism. And this family that we follow, the Kims, kind of are reprehensible people, honestly. They do things and say things that are in poor taste. They don't care who they harm. They break the law. But you can't help but root for them because it's they're, they're kind of taking down this rich family at the same time. And the movie asks a lot of questions, one of which I think is, is the only way to get ahead in the world by being a monster, by being a parasite, basically. And it's a really thought-provoking, great movie. And like you said, it just keeps getting more thought-provoking and kind of more fucked up as it goes along. It's excellent. I wish that I spoke Korean because I would love to be able to uh, to read the screenplay or to or to listen to the dialogue in its original language. Um, but alas, I am a uh, I'm an uncultured uh, Canadian and can do no such thing. You uncultured swine. <laughs> uncultured swine. Uh, Manny, what's your favorite scene in Parasite? The birthday party. Yeah, I, that's, that was exactly it. But I, I called it the garden party, but yeah, the birthday party is, uh, that's towards the end of the movie. I would call it the climax of the film. Um, it's spectacular. Spectacular. Sam, what's your and, favorite quote? Oh, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, uh, this isn't my favorite quote, but the closing monologue uh, after the birthday party is uh, such a good way of wrapping up the movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, my favorite quote. You, uh, you're, you're hesitating. Um, is uh, no, I... is the patriarch of the family. You know what kind of plan never fails? No plan. No plan at all. You know why? Because life cannot be planned. Look around you. Did you think these people made a plan to sleep in the sports hall with you? Uh, in the translation that I saw, it was gymnasium, but okay. Uh, but here we are now, sleeping together on the floor. So there's no need for a plan. You can't go wrong with no plans. We don't need to make a plan for anything. It doesn't matter what will happen next. Even if the country gets destroyed or sold out, nobody cares. Got it? That's my quote, it's too. A, it's not an uplifting movie, but it's a fun one. That's my quote, too. We are on the same goddamn page tonight, aren't we? We really <laughs> are. Oh, Parasite, I can't wait to watch you again. Sam, what's your number four film? My number four film of 2019 was your number seven, much like how my, your number four was my number seven. It's Marriage Story. Wow. Number four movie. Book it. Uh, this movie was nominated for six Oscars. Um, why do I only have five written down? Oh, whatever. Um, it won only one of them. Um, it was written and directed by Noah Baumbach. Uh, Metascore of 93 right now. 93. The plot, this is stolen from IMDb, not a very good one. Noah Baumbach's incisive and compassionate look at a marriage breaking up and a family staying together. By the way, uh, how do you say his name, the director? Did I say it right? Oh, uh, I was kind of working on something as you were doing it. It's Noah Baumbach. Bach. Noah Baumbach. Okay. Sure. Um, Or Noah Baumbach. I I, I kept saying Baumbach. I don't know. Let's call him Noah. Yeah. He's Noah. Um, this is arguably the best acted movie of the year. Um, it has two titanic performances at the top of it. I have been a fan of Adam Drivers for uh, several years now. He solidifies himself as one of the best 
uh, in the business right now. He uh, delivers, uh, in my opinion, what is a performance for the ages. Yes. Uh, Scarlett Johansson gives one of her two excellent Oscar uh, nomination worthy performances this year. There's so much about this movie to like. Um, I think, um, not to get too personal, but I'm going to. Um, divorce has touched both of our way, both of our lives in one way or another, Manny. Yes. Um, you, uh, apologies if you don't want me to say this, but you having been through one and yes. me uh, having been the child of one of them, uh, it has affected both of our ways in or both of our lives in one way or another. And this uh, movie to me was just a look at how the process of it all, how the legalities and the minutia and who gets what and who gets custody of the kids tears apart what was once a loving bond between several people. And uh, in the end, it does remind them what's important. Um, it's an incredibly emotional movie. Um, this is one of those movies that I genuinely don't know if I will have the stomach to watch again, even though I loved it as much as I did. But this movie just spoke to me on a personal level. Uh, there's so much about it that I loved in each of the performances and the writing of it. Um, there's one scene in particular, which is my favorite scene, which I won't talk about right now because I want to give you a second to talk about. But I think you know what it is. Manny, what did you love about Marriage Story? I basically just want to reiterate everything you said. The two powerhouse lead performances. I'm quickly looking over some of the movies I enjoyed this year, and I'm going to probably agree with you that this is the best acted movie of the year. The Adam Driver, like you said, he gives a performance that I don't think we're going to forget for a very long time. Scarlett Johansson in, the, in an Oscar nominee, and in my opinion, should have been an Oscar-winning performance mm -hmm. in this role. Two amazing... I didn't, I didn't see Judy, so I can't speak to that. Same here. And maybe I, sh I shouldn't speak at a turn, but yeah. I, I, I'm, it kind of makes me really excited to see Judy, to think that that performance is better than this one. Yeah. And the dialogue is so incredibly good. This makes me want to go down and take a look at the rest of uh, Noah's films. And it really does it really does make you think and reflect on your relationships of the past. I am I am a, I am from a divorced family and I went through a divorce. Thankfully my divorce nothing like this one <laughs> i'm happy to hear it my divorce couldn't wait be... you didn't you didn't oh wait I, I was gonna make a joke but that's kind of a spoiler so never mind yeah you didn't do this sure didn't <laughs> i i made a motion towards uh towards my hand i yeah. hope that's enough for people who have seen it i uh, my, my divorce couldn't have been further away from what this one was and i'm <laughs> eternally grateful for that thankfully my divorce was actually uh, very very amicable and very <laughs> mature thank yeah. god uh shout out shout out to you julie i know you're not listening hey and, julie how you doing yeah not listening <laughs> so it doesn't matter <laughs> uh it's but it, it it really does make me it really did make me think and reflect on all of my relationships not just my marriage but my other ones as well and this the scene that you and i are going to end up discussing here that one really hit close to home. I've unfortunately been in that situation more times than I would like to admit, but I'm okay with admitting. Uh, the rest of the cast, they're not even really all... 
Well, fuck it. They're not even overshadowed by the powerhouse performances of the two leads because Laura Dern won an Oscar for her performance. Alan Arkin is amazing. Ray Liotta is fantastic. Everybody in this movie is working from an incredible script where any other year, this would have won Best Screenplay. Mm-hmm. It was just an an absolutely fantastic film. On the note of the supporting performances, I did say this last week during the Sampas, but I'm going to say it again. I fucking hate Laura Dern in this movie. Not the actress Laura Dern, the character that she plays. I fucking hate her, but it's completely well-written and completely well-acted. She's manipulative and condescending, and um, she, she completely talks down to Scarlett Johansson, and it's so frustrating for me to watch. Uh, but it, it's so it's so <laughs> important to the to the movie and to the escalation of the conflict. Um, it, it's it's really 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 good, and yeah, uh, the other supporting cast members are excellent as well. Um, Manny, what's your favorite scene, and why is it the same one that I have? Why don't we do our favorite quote? first well here's the okay thing. no okay okay we'll do favorite scene that's fine okay yeah. sure okay uh favorite scene is, is the fight scene it's the yeah, fight it's, scene it's, the argument is seriously one of the best written and best performed scenes in recent memory in any movie this is easily the most realistic realistic argument i've ever seen on screen yes the most like i've been in that discussion i've been I've been Adam Driver, and I've been Scarlett Johansson in those situations. Yeah. And it hit close to home. Yeah. One of the things I love, and I'm going to try not to spoil this scene because it's truly just a a feat of of writing and of acting, this scene. And directing. And directing. But (laughs) the moment that like you just feel the scene keep escalating and escalating and somebody will say something and somebody takes it the wrong way and then they'll their voices will get louder and then somebody somebody else will say something that's just a little bit twisting the knife and you can tell through years of marriage these two have found ways to push each other's buttons in ways that nobody else could and then scarlett johansson says one thing she says you sound like your father and then shit hits the fan it just goes off yeah and it is incredible and i remember being completely shocked with where the scene goes after that it is a monstrous argument and there is it's it's verbal bloodshed it's it's one of the best scenes of the year yeah i would i would say as much and now here is what i was saying when i was saying here's the thing is that my favorite quote from the movie is what he says after that okay don't do it okay (laughs) Why don't you tell me what your favorite quote is, and I'll see if I can come up with an alternative one. Mine's actually something a little bit more hopeful. Um, okay. It's actually from Bert Spitz, and that's uh, Alan Alda's character. Mm. I want you to know that eventually this will all be over, and whatever we win or lose, it will be the two of you having to figure this out together. And I think that's my favorite quote because that one really hits really close to my heart and mm-hmm. the way that things are with Julie and I. Thankfully, Julie and I are on fantastic terms. We're co-parenting our little, our little girl together. Julie and I's relationship is fantastic, but it's one of the things that we talked about when we decided that our marriage was over is that this is about our little girl, and we are going to be in each other's life for the rest of our lives until 
Julie dies or our or I die, we are forever linked because we have a child together. And so we better get used to being around each other because that's never going to change. And so that that quote really really hit home close to me and it really means a lot to me. Damn, Manny. <laughs> Try, I'm trying not to get choked up over here listening <laughs> to you talk about this. This is, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, I don't have a favorite quote uh, that does not spoil the shit out of the movie, so I'm going to leave that one blank. But, Manny, I think you know what it is, correct? I do, yeah. 100% okay. I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was spoiled, by the way, in the Oscar montage. Yeah. In the Oscar montage for Adam Driver's performance, it was spoiled. I was so upset about it. But... Yeah. It, that was, oh, that wow. was a poor choice by them. Yeah, and anyone who's seen this movie probably knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, it is uh, it is also um, you could you could call it also a hopeful quote uh, in the sense that it is about something that Adam Driver hopes for, but uh, <laughs> it is uh, <laughs> it is a slightly different tone than the one that uh, Manny just chose. So I will leave it at that. That is horrible. <laughs> wow. Okay, my number three. <laughs> We're on the podium now. We are the on the podium. podium. Bronze my, medal, 2019. My, Manny, what is it? My bronze medal winner for 2019 happened 102 years ago. It's 1917. Manny, 1917 is also on my list. Manny, 1917 is also my number three. That is fucking unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Why don't you lead us in? All right. It is written and directed by Sam Mendes. It was also co-written by Christy Wilson Cairns. Uh, the cast is Dean Charles Chapman and George McKay. Has a meta score of 78. That's disgustingly low. In the plot, April 6, 1917. As a regiment assembles to wage war deep in enemy territory, two soldiers are assigned to race against time and deliver a message that will stop 1,600 men from walking straight into a deadly trap. I want to just say that um, my top three, I think, um, we talked a little bit about how a year retrospect can really uh, change your opinion on things. <clears throat> a year from now, I have no idea which order my one, two, three are going to be, but I bet you it's going to be the same three. The, it, I'm uncertain about the order that I have these in, but they're all fantastic movies. I don't know if you feel the same way about yours. I do. Yeah, I, th you I think the only... My number one will not change. That uh, There's not a chance. Okay. It's possible my number two could slip a little. Doubtful. My three and four, which is 1917 and Parasite, could end up flipping. Yeah. But this is such a great year. This is such a strong year. Honestly, even even Marriage Story for me could have made podium. Like it's just a ridiculously strong year. I'm so happy to be doing this podcast. Yes. In this time period in film history, it's yes. excellent. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Sam, tell me some of the reasons that you like this movie so much. Well, god damn it, Manny, I'd be happy to. Um, this is the best looking movie of the year. This movie uh, did things with the camera that I have not seen before. Of course, there have been movies that have done the single-take gimmick. Uh, Birdman comes to mind, and there are some others. Um, I did actually like Birdman, um, but uh, it's, it's not just a gimmick. It gives it this real-time feel to it, a, a, a sense of a ticking time bomb that this is a thing they need to do right now. It gives the movie a sense of urgency. 
um, that I don't think would have been there if it had been edited in a traditional way or if it had been shot in a traditional way. Roger Deakins, as you well know, Manny, is a god among men. Uh, he can do things with a camera that nobody else living on uh, planet Earth can do. Uh, and he does it in this movie with the help of the director, Sam Mendes. Um, <laughs> the way that they get certain shots, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, one of the shots that goes through a crater in this movie, oh. which is insane. The amount of planning and manpower and more planning that went into this movie just to get the shots, let alone the writing and the acting and everything else. The planning that went into the camera work in this movie is something that's frankly unprecedented as far as I know. Yeah. Um, it is a technical achievement and one that deserves to be recognized. Now, I have heard some people saying uh, in their reviews for this movie that the plot leaves something to be desired, even though it is technically brilliant. I personally uh, do not feel that way. I uh, love the uh, the minimal... Uh, the, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. For how many people and how many extras are in this movie, uh, it's a very limited amount of characters with speaking roles or with the uh or with uh, large parts anyway uh the two leads in this movie have such a great chemistry and such oh. great banter um it, it's it's really their friendship is very touching and um i love the decision by the way as far as the casting goes to cast people who are relative unknowns not complete unknowns but they're definitely not movie stars um, th that decision was intentionally made by Sam Mendes to give the feeling that these guys could be anyone. These, these were just regular everyday heroes who were given a mission that they needed to do right away. Um, I, I love the emotional payoffs of a number of things. Um, I, I don't have the characters names in front of me right now, but one of them is given a medal, which he trades away for a bottle of wine at one point in the movie. And that's a topic of conversation as they go on their mission together. And I love the way that that sort of plays out. Um, that was Lance, that was Corporal Schofield, Lance Corporal Schofield. Yes, thank you. Um, there are, I mean, there's a number of other emotional beats in this movie that get kind of spoilery, but even if you want to go see this movie for nothing else other than uh, watching one of the most br brilliant, uh, one of the most brilliantly constructed movies from a from a cinematography perspective, um, if you want to just see it just for that reason, you should go. But in my opinion, the plot is also excellent. Um, I, I felt a sense of stakes. I felt a sense of urgency. Um, I, I loved it from front to back. And it is insane to me that this was only my third favorite movie this year. That's how good this year was. I agree. I agree 100%. This is astounding to me that this is my number three film. It was just a tour de force filmmaking at its finest. It's Roger. It's a Roger Deakins highlight reel. It's If you're unsure of what people mean when they talk about cinematography, this is what they're talking about as cinematography. This movie is shot beautifully. There's, uh, there's so many scenes time and time again of... How the fuck did they do that? How the fuck did they do that? How did that camera go into the back of that truck, spin around, and then come out of it? Like, it's unfucking believable what they did. It's, it's such a, it was such a joy. I, I'm so excited to go see this movie again. So much so, in fact, I've, lately I've been, I should check and see if it, because I live in a small town. For you, it's probably still in a theater. I should double-check and see if it's still here and catch it one more time on the big screen while I can. 
Uh, yeah, it's definitely showing in at least three uh, different uh, cinemas here in Calgary right now. Lucky bastard. Um, George McKay uh, really stands out for me as Lord Lance Corporal Schofield. I, I loved him uh, a little bit more than, uh, than D. Charles Chapman as Lance Corporal Blake. Not, not, not that anything. Not that Chapman was bad. I just think McKay. I just feel McKay had a little bit more depth to him. You know, uh, not a ton. Like the, there, at no point did I ever think that either one of these performances should be nominated. Well, maybe Blake for one scene in particular. But oh, I know the one. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Like this movie, this movie was such. A joy and such jaw-dropping spectacle. It's oh, I, I'm so excited to revisit this movie. Yeah, I think this is the sort of movie that I, I'm so happy that I saw it in theaters. Yes. I, I want to make plans to go see it again in theaters. I think a number of my friends I've told uh, that if they want to go see it, I will happily go along with them. Um, yeah, the scene you were talking about where uh, Lance Corporal Blake. Uh, really does his best acting. Yeah. Uh, that scene is... Uh, I can't even really say anything about it without getting into spoilers, but it's excellent. It, it's perfectly written. Oh. Um, it's ironic. It's uh, it's touching. It's, it's everything. It, it's a very emotional scene. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't really know what else to say about this movie. Um, oh, you know what? There was one, there's one really emotional scene... Uh, right at the very end, um, a conversation between two people, um, but that I can't really talk about because I don't want to get into spoilers. But I love, uh, I, I love the the emotion of one of the conversations right yeah. at the end. And then uh, there's this beautiful parallel uh, uh, between the first shot of the movie and the last shot of the movie uh, that I that I noticed and uh, and really liked. Uh, I, I want to talk about this movie more, but we can't. You know what we should do? November 11th, 2020, book our calendars and talk about this movie full on. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Done. Done. Done deal. 1917 is, will be this year's war film for us. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Done. We'll do a double feature, this in Lawrence of Arabia. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Both of our number three, 1917. We're moving along nicely. Manny. Number two movie of 2019 for you is Booksmart. <gasps> Whoa. Okay. Twas on my list. Twas my number six. Yeah. Okay. Booksmart, directed by Olivia Wilde, written by Emily Halpern, Sarah Haskins, Susanna Fogel, and Katie Silberman, starring Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein, has a Metascore of 84. The plot, on the eve of their high school graduation, two academic superstars and best friends realize they should have worked less and played more. Determined not to fall short of their peers, the girls try to cram four years of fun into one night. Sam, this was your number eight, I'm sorry? Six. 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 This movie, I'd heard, I'd, I'd heard, I heard little rumblings of how good it was. And then I think I, it's one of the few times I somehow, I think I stumbled upon a trailer. And then I was like, holy fuck, I need to watch this movie. 
the moment it was available for me to rent on Cineplex, I used my free rental and watched it. And I laughed so fucking hard. I haven't watched a comedy this good in a long time. So immediately after the movie was done, I texted a shit ton of people telling them they need to watch it. And then I fucking restarted the movie right away. I watched it twice in one night the first time I watched this movie. Yeah, and Sam was raising his hand as I was saying that. I, I texted Sam. I texted anybody I know that likes a good movie and told them, you need to fucking watch Booksmart. One of my favorite things about getting texted a movie recommendation from you is that we both know we're going to be talking about it on air anyway, so you do your absolute best to be super understated. Yes. You'll just text me something really boring like, hey, have you heard of Booksmart? And I immediately <laughs> know that you've loved it. <laughs> I immediately know that this is like a huge thing I'm going to need to watch just from that like one little sentence. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I bought this movie blind. I think I said that last week as yeah. well. I bought this movie completely blind um, simply because of a text like that. Simply because Manny was like, hey, just watch this comedy called Booksmart. You should really check it out if you give it a chance. I happened to be uh, in one of the bigger malls in Calgary uh, doing some Christmas shopping uh, not too long after. And I saw it sitting on a shelf for pretty cheap on Blu-ray. So I just bought it blind and uh, I loved it. It's ex It's an excellent, excellent comedy. It's one of the funniest movies I saw this year, if not the funniest movie I saw this year. Um, it's one of the reasons that it didn't quite get as high on my list, I think, as maybe it did on yours, is that I, I, I know you also like the movie super bad. Yeah. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite comedies ever, if not my favorite comedy. Uh, Booksmart borrows pretty heavily from it. It, it borrows pretty heavily from it in uh, not only its general plot, but in a lot of the specific plot beats I, I i found there were a lot of scenes where i was like oh, i've seen this before but honestly even if that's the case which i believe it is their renditions of those particular <laughs> moments are super funny um this movie is truly carried by uh, caitlin dever and beanie feldstein oh my it's, god it's uh the best chemistry i saw on screen basically all year other than maybe adam driver and scarlett johansson uh certainly the best comedic chemistry i saw on all year um their banter in this movie is hilarious. The writing is hilarious. There's a discussion about a stuffed animal, oh. which might which might be the hardest I've laughed in a movie in I don't know how long. That scene is fucking hysterical. Um, yeah, there's there's so many good things to say about this movie. Overall, it's just hilarious, hilarious comedy and excellent performances. Um, if you can. If you're like me and you're hung up on the fact that it's maybe a little bit too similar to Superbad, it's still worth it even in spite of that. It's fucking ridiculously good. This is a movie, again, that I am anxiously wanting to dive into deep and wanting mm -hmm. to put on our list of movies to talk about. Fuck, let's do it, man. I will take any excuse to rewatch this movie. This is another one. As with just about every movie that we've talked about so far, but this one in particular, I think, is going to have some great rewatch value down the road. I've all so I watched it twice that first night because when you rent from Cineplex, you got forty-eight hours. Yeah, I think I watched it the next night. So within forty-eight hours, I watched it three times, and I've watched it twice since then. So I've watched this movie five times this year. I fucking love this movie. I uh, the character of Gigi. Makes me giggle, even though it shouldn't. Yeah, the ongoing gag that she's just somehow already at every party that they go to. <laughs> yes. 
Do you? I, I don't know if you know who Gigi is, the the actress that plays her. Um, I don't have her name in front of me right now, but I recognized it. Oh, it that that's uh that's Carrie Fisher's daughter. Right. Yes, uh, I was aware of that. Yeah. Um. Also, the uh, uh, I guess I should try and grab his name if I can. Uh, the actor that plays Jared, his uh, he he was so adorable. <laughs> but for me, when it, outside of Caitlin and Beanie as the two leads, <laughs> George and Alan fucking killed me. The uh, the drama nerds. Yes, the drama nerds. I the, uh, the the casting director of this film deserves an Academy Award for mm-hmm. finding these. Probably aren't these kids are like. I'm old enough, old enough to be pretty much everybody in this film's father, yes. with the exception of like the obviously the parents and the teachers, and even probably their English teacher. Their yeah, Miss F- Miss Fine. Miss Fine. I might be old enough to be her dad. Yeah, Jessica Williams. Um, but everybody else. So I don't know if if any of these other actors or actresses are famous for something else that I'm unaware of, of something on TV. Cause I don't watch a lot of TV, but I had a blast watching these actors that I didn't know kill it. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it too much because I, I, I honestly do believe that you and I are going to do an episode on this film. Beauty. Go watch Booksmart if you haven't seen it already. Okay. Manny, what's your favorite scene? It's the Barbie doll scene. I, Barbie doll scene, 100%. <laughs> I have that written down too. Uh, your favorite quote? Uh, <laughs> this is in the trailer, so I don't mind giving away this joke. Um, but Amy, played by Caitlin Dever, is being led into a police car. She goes, shotgun! Just kidding. I don't have one. <laughs> Uh, my favorite quote, and I hate doing these comedic ones because it's impossible to get the comedic timing and everything right, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Molly says, I think it's healthy for a relationship to have secrets, and now we have one. <laughs> do I have a secret for you? Okay, yes, uh-huh. I once tried to masturbate with an electric toothbrush, but I got a horrible UTI. Horrible. <laughs> like, horrible. And Amy responds, I wish that would have been kept a secret, but you've mentioned it. Many, many times. <laughs> oh, the right, the writing and dialogue of this film is so fucking good. Yeah. Oh it, my it's, god. It's too funny. Oh, I'm so happy right now. Go see Booksmart, especially because Manny and I are going to talk about it in depth in a later episode, more likely than not. So. Yes, 100%. Which is going to lead to Sam's number two. Now, I feel pretty good that I know what your last two films are. Yes, I feel pretty good that you do as well. I'm just curious as to which one is number one. And yeah. since I don't want to give anything away, I'm, I am I wrote down my prediction for your number one. Okay, right all here. right. Um, so You know you, you have a coin flip chance anyway. I do, I do. So why don't you tell your number two, and then I can reveal if I got your my prediction for your number one correct. Like I said at the beginning of the number three movie, 1917, uh, the order of these can and probably will change. I actually did, um, I, I was thinking about flipping the way I had them in a previous episode. 
I was thinking about flipping that for this one, but I did decide it. I decided to keep it uh, as is, just for the purpose of consistency. Ah. But I reserve the right to edit this uh, just down the road. So my number two movie of uh, 2019 was Jojo Rabbit. Okay, that's that's what I had as your number one. As you had as my number one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this movie was nominated for five Oscars and won only one. The one that it won was for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress for Scarlett Johansson, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design. It was written and directed by Taika Waititi, sitting at an abysmal 58 Metascore. What is wrong with people? That's disgusting. Um, the plot, a young boy in Hitler's army finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. So, um, I've talked about this movie uh, at length. Um, I talked about it in... Uh, I can't remember which episode it was. I did actually have it pulled up. Hold on. Uh, episode 86, when we talked about our top 10 of the teens, this made the list, uh, as well as my number one. Um, this is a completely touching movie. This movie yes. will run you through the full range of emotions, anything that you could hope for in a movie. Uh, if you want to laugh, it's definitely in there. If you want to cry, there's definitely at least one scene that's in there. Yep. Um, it, this movie ran me through the full range of emotions. Taika Waititi proved himself to be um, a brilliant writer and director um, for a number of movies that I like, uh, including Thor Ragnarok, including um, What We Do in the Shadows. And he solidified himself as one of my favorite comedic writers and directors working in the business right now. Um, Roman Griffin Davis as Jojo Rabbit is so cute and so charming. I never thought that I would think um, a Hitler Jugend uh, member would be this cute, but God damn it, he is. Um, I, he, he gives an excellent comedic performance. Um, I, I mentioned this before that a lot of people who don't like this movie... Um, in my opinion, don't like it because of the concept, uh, the concept that Adolf Hitler is in it, the fact that it's about a uh, Hitler youth member, and some people would interpret it as making light of what was a pretty dark situation, of course, back in the 40s. Um, but I think those people, respectively, or, or respectfully, rather, missed the point a little bit. It's a movie that's about, it, it's about rejecting hatred. Um, it's a movie that's really about love and it's about uh, it's about when uh, when life gets you down, you just got to dance a little bit. Uh, it's it, it has an amazing supporting cast, in particular, Sam Rockwell and Alfie Allen are standouts. They have excellent comedic chemistry between the two of them. Um, I, I loved this movie. It spoke to me in a way that just about no other movie did this year. Um, it was an easy, easy pick uh, for one of the top three. I don't know. But it, it stayed in the number two. Manny, this did not make your list, which is kind of disappointing to me. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but you did like this movie as far as I, I I fucking love this movie. This just shows the strength of the films that came out this year. And I probably, once this movie is available on Blu-ray, and I will 100% be buying it, this could probably... Probably when we come back in a year, this is probably one of the movies that could creep up and and, and make the list. It just kind of really shows, again, like we said, the strength of this year. I totally. there was I saw a lot of really good movies. I think altogether I saw about 25 films this year, and only two got failing grades. Yeah, so, I, I my numbers were roughly the same. Yeah, I'm and I'm glad because I've really started to... It's shitty for me to say, but I I'm not going to allow myself to watch shitty films. My time well, movies are so expensive now in all avenues that you kind of have to be selective. Yeah, 
and well, time time is precious for me. So yeah. I have homework assignments for this podcast. I have <laughs> movies I want to watch with my daughter, and I refuse to let my daughter watch shitty things. So she's only going to be watching good movies, and but not superhero movies because she's not allowed. Not allowed. Curse you, Julie, and, <laughs> and all the nice things Welcome I said. Welcome to Marriage I, Story too. Yeah, yeah. I take back all the nice things I said about you. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> the it's just. It was just such a strong year. This was a very late cut. Uh, Jojo Rabbit was a very late cut. It was easily cracked the list. And like I said, in about a year, could easily make the list. You're number 10 again. You'll have to remind me. What was it? Yesterday. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I like that pick a little less now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, last it's the same thing as last year. Last year, uh, my number one was eighth grade, and you didn't have that on your list originally. I think I, I mean, movies are subjective. Everyone has their own things that speak to them. This year, what spoke to me was a little kid in a Nazi uniform dancing and occasionally tying people's shoes. Yes. Was, <laughs> that was uh, that was what did it for me. It was uh, this, this is a movie that I think I'm going to love for a very long time and I'm going to rewatch and recommend to people endless times. Ah, perfect. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Your favorite scene. Uh, favorite scene. Oh, sorry, I, uh, I navigated away from my page. Give me one second to navigate back. Um, Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Um, favorite scene. Uh, I said it when we talked about the top ten of the decade. Butterfly. It's the same now. It's a butterfly. It's the scene. butterfly. It's the butterfly scene. Butterfly it's the scene, scene where you're gonna cry. Um, speaking of tying people's shoes. Yes. Okay. <sighs> yeah, that uh, that elicited a couple of uh, a couple of manly tears from me. Um, my favorite quote has not changed. <laughs> it's uh, but I'm going to read it again and again. Reading these comedic lines is always hard to to nail the comedic timing. I'm gonna do it again. Um. Jojo's mother tells him love is the most powerful thing in the world and Jojo <laughs> responds I think you'll find that metal is the strongest thing in the world followed closely by dynamite and then muscles <laughs> 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 which just makes me chuckle because it's so childish and naive but it's it's too good Jojo Rabbit I highly recommend anyone go see who hasn't seen it already it's a beautiful beautiful movie yeah I agree I'm, I'm pretty sure it's getting released on it's already available on digital right now so you can buy it on digital it will be released on Blu-ray in the next week or so. That is going to be a purchase for me. Yes. All right. Before we reveal our number one film, Sam, I've got some honorable mentions. Do you? I do. I sound surprised, even though we discussed this off air. Yeah. <laughs> so these are these are I I have four. I think you said you had five. I have five. Yeah. All right. So my honorable mentions. So for those of you sitting around waiting, hoping to hear one of these films as my number one, I'm afraid you're going to be a little disappointed. If people don't know what both of our number ones are at this point, I cannot help them. Yeah. All right. My honorable mentions, and surprisingly, as I look at them, they're actually in alphabetical order, and that wasn't even planned. My honorable mentions, Jojo Rabbit, Long Shot, Triple Frontier, and Uncut Gems. What is Long Shot? <laughs> that is... One of the movies that should have been on my guilty pleasure list. Oh, Because okay. this movie had no business being good. And as I was watching it, I kept saying, I'm fucking loving this movie. Mm. And it's a romantic comedy with Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron. Okay. And All right. I won't lie. Someone that you hate and someone that you love. Yeah. Yeah. And Seth Rogen's really fucking good in it. 
He's really yeah. good in it. it it's I'm long. glad you like... Are you telling me right now that you liked a Seth Rogen movie this year? Yeah, I am. Wow. And by liked, I mean loved. Like it, Pe- People can change. You heard it here first, people. Yes. Yes. It was this is, this is like the this is like the ending of Rocky Four up in here. Everybody can change. This it was spectacular. It was it was it was an absolute joy to watch Longshot, and it's one that I will recommend highly. Cool, yes. I love that. Okay, uh, my honorable mentions. I have five of them. Okay, um, I lost my body. Nice. The, Irish, the Irishman, The Lighthouse, Toy Story Four, and Triple Frontier. Oh, <laughs> damn! Triple Frontier was a fun episode, though, wasn't it? It was, and that's yeah, I, that's such an that's such a hidden gem. Like it, it really so is. So many I, people I have people never even heard of it. Movie. Yeah, exactly. Anyone listening who hasn't seen Triple Frontier, uh, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's a great action movie. Manny and I did an episode on it, which I don't have handy right now, but it's a it's a really good movie starring Oscar Isaac and Ben Affleck. <sighs> <clears throat> Those are really great honorable mentions, by the way. Yeah, what a fucking great year for film. We've said it a couple times, saying it again. It's excellent. Excellent. Well, here we are. The penultimate film of 2019. Doesn't penultimate mean second to last? Is that what it means? I think that's what it means. I don't know. I'm going to have to Google that. Anyway, our favorite. Let's go. Let, let, me, oh. let me try again. Oh. Here we are. Our number one film. The pinnacle of 2019. Boom. Love that. The pinnacle. <laughs> Sam and I, for the second time of our three years doing our top tens, share the number one film. Um, I would just like to say, penultimate, adjective, last but one in a series of things, semicolon, second last. Wow. For me, it sounds like it's, it's, a, it's a compliment where it's not a compliment at all. Uh, ultimate. Ultimate is the word. The ultimate is the last. Yeah. And then penultimate is the second last. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I am. I am dumb. This has been Definitions with Sam and Manny. Join us next. Oh, wait. No, we have we have our favorite uh, movie to talk about. Manny, it's both of our favorites. Do you want to be the one to say it? Sure. It is Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame for the second time in the three times we have done our top 10 lists we have the same number one the first time it was three billboards outside of ebbing missouri and this time it is avengers Avengers game and like like i said at the beginning of the show before i reveal what this is there is i would say i guess nothing is ever finalized so i'm gonna say a 0.01 percent chance that this will fall off my number one that is that's low yeah low chance it's uh, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Cast, everybody in the world, has a meta score of 78. The plot, after the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to reverse Thanos' actions and restore balance to the universe. We've talked about this film a lot. Yeah. We had a whole episode on it. Episode. Yeah, if you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I want to hear Sam and Manny talk about Avengers Endgame for close to three hours, 
I wish that existed in the world. Well, lucky listener, you are you are in luck indeed. Episode 55, we talked about Avengers Endgame front to back, in depth, broke it all down, fresh off its release. We also talked about it in episode 86 when we talked about our favorite movies of the decade, of which this was one for both of us. I, actually, I think I'm going to go back and listen to the our Avengers Endgame episode. I would really like for us. I would I'd like to revisit that episode. I think cool. that's what, I think that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. So since we've talked about it so much already, I'm just going to quickly go over the things that I liked. One, it's Marvel. Two, it wraps up this 23-film extravaganza perfectly. Next, it's so amazing, I don't even notice the runtime because I'm having so much fun and I'm just enamored by everything that's going on. Robert fucking Downey fucking Jr. In, In all honesty... In an Oscar-worthy performance, in my opinion, he is amazing. Yeah, this was never going to be nominated for an Oscar, of course, given that it's a superhero movie. Um, but I, I completely agree. Uh, it was it was on that level. He, he really was that good in this movie. Chris Evans, unbelievable. Thanks to like prior to the MCU, I didn't really give two shits about Captain America, but Chris Evans completely won me over. And is now Captain America is my favorite character. Sad. He is synonymous with Captain America. Chris Evans is. Yeah. yeah. This defied my expectations. It didn't go anywhere that we expected. Um, <clears throat> I won't. <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, I don't understand why you're even listening to this fucking podcast. Uh, actually, I think I know somebody. I actually think Rachel hasn't seen this. I didn't know there were people on planet Earth who have not seen this movie, given that it made $2.8 billion worldwide to date. I did not realize that there are people who have not seen it still. I don't think Rachel's seen this. She's just, the Marvel is just not her thing. Uh, I I could could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she hasn't seen it. Look, I think there's an argument to be made that if you are not a huge Marvel fan— a lot of things in this movie that are special will fly over your head. 100%. Which is fair. So if you're not a Marvel nut, you probably won't like this movie as much. But holy fuck, is it ever just the most perfect conclusion to what uh, has turned out to be basically the defining franchise of our era. Um, I I think one of the things we haven't talked about in all our discussions with this movie, or at least not super in-depth, is what a massive challenge, what a massive undertaking... Uh, writing this movie must have been they needed to take in and digest ridiculous amounts of source material uh, about dozens of characters each with their own complex backgrounds written by hundreds of different authors they need to wrap up the collective plots of the previous 20 whatever movies in the series they need to take all that information and somehow churn out a movie that had a coherent plot emotional stakes complete arcs for all of their characters and get that all done in no more than three hours and on top of all that they're making this movie in the internet age so if they made it in a way that was predictable it would be predicted by people online so they need to satisfy common moviegoers they need to satisfy the bloodthirsty diehard virginity retaining marvel fans um they they had every opportunity to fuck this up there were so many speed bumps they could have tripped over and the writing was exceptional it was all perfect it was amazing and i don't know if you'll have any disagreements on anything i just said not even close (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I just think a little bit of kudos is due. Just this movie could have and frankly should have been a train wreck. Um, but um, Avengers, unlike Star Wars, has put competent people at the helm with a vision. Um, and they, they did an exceptional job. It's it's the best movie of the year from both me and Manny, and rightfully so. Again, this movie or this year was so strong for movies that, in my opinion, any of the top three or even top four could have been in any of the other top four spots. But um, yeah, the Avengers Endgame is going to go down as one of the most important movies, frankly, of all time. I agree. One, I couldn't, like, I honestly couldn't agree more. It was... Ah, oh, like just thinking about it, it's the here's the here's the only bad thing I guess I could say about Avengers Endgame. While the runtime doesn't bother me, it prevents me from watching it as often as I'd like to. Because <laughs> yeah, it is a it is a is a commitment. I I love the movie so much that I don't want to watch just parts of it. I want to experience the whole thing. Yeah, and so that would probably be my only complaint. But I'm not really complaining about it because I want. I actually want more. Manny, your favorite scene in this movie? <laughs> well, I could I could be honest and just say the one that we keep saying, or I could okay. come up with a new lie one. To, lie to me first. Okay. Lie to me first. Uh, okay, well, you know what? Because we've talked about this movie so many times, I'm going to say what my favorite scene is, and then I'm going to come up with my second favorite scene. Okay, go for it. Okay. My favorite scene is Cap Thor and Iron Man versus Thanos. Cap picks up the hammer. It's not close, and that's my number one. Yeah. My number so, two... what's your second favorite scene? My number two is... I'm going to actually go with one... Uh, I'm going to kind of... Oh, man. Okay, I'm... Fuck. I'm going to go with... Oh, it's spo- it's a spoiler. Okay, I'm spo- I'm spoiling this movie. If you haven't seen it, spoilers. Rachel, stop listening. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> spoil this movie. So fast forward ahead about one minute. In three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Uh, it's Iron Man's funeral. He, that tracking shot showing all the characters, and at the end of that tracking shot, John Favreau talking to RDJ or Tony Stark's daughter about cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. I'm a fucking blubbering mess. Yeah, blubbering you definitely mess. are. I love that shot. I love how it touches upon the history of the MCU, and I love how it wraps up with John Favreau, who plays Happy, who started the MCU because he was the writer, uh, writer and director of Iron Man. Well, the director of Iron Man probably did some writing. Um, I, I loved, and then it, it's calling back to that Iron Man film on how Tony Stark wanted cheeseburgers when he got back from being held prisoner in the caves okay that's my second favorite scene sam cool um damn what's my second favorite scene it might we haven't even really talked about the scene as far as i can remember the off the top of my head the opening of this movie nice. is shocking um i i guess i'll i can it's a minor spoiler but i'm not going to get into the scene fully it's the the opening with hawkeye um it, it's it's jarring and it's shocking um i loved it that's my first pick, at least for second pick. <laughs> I, I love. But it. honestly, any scene in this movie could be substituted in after um, Cap Thor and Iron Man versus Thanos. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent pick. I I love 
that that's how the movie starts yeah oh wow yeah okay so that that was it that was it right there quote favorite quote oh sorry favorite quote excuse me well i mean okay well i i have the same one as always i'll i'll I'll, and everybody probably knows my number two pick so yeah my number one is i love you 3000 my number one is i love you 3000 as well my number two is avengers assemble yeah i think that's probably my number two as well (laughs) all right easy peasy so that is the end that we're now those are our films our favorite films of 2019 but don't press stop yet. No, there's still plenty of podcasts left. What are you doing? Get I your know. Hand We're only we've only crossed the two hour barrier. We got more to. We got more than enough time. Exactly. We're not even like top ten longest episodes. So let's keep going. No, it's only one twenty two in the morning where I am. We have plenty of time. <laughs> so, as I started a tradition last year, I reached out to our lovely guests of our podcast and asked for them to provide their top 10 list of 2019. They are they were more than happy to provide their lists for us. And I loved that they were able to provide them. Yeah, thanks to everyone who provided their list. We like we said we do have this group chat going. Um, and I, I, have pulled it up. I'm sure you have it up on your phone. How do you want to do this? Uh, who's reading what? Oh, I, I, I have the, I have them all written out. Oh, okay. Perfect. You can go for it then. Okay. So, uh, once again, uh, charge did not provide a top 10 list. Coward. And in fact, we're still waiting for his top 10 list of 2018. Waiting on you, charge. Go on. Yeah. And hold on. We can wait for it. Okay. It's still not coming. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> So I'm going to start with Adam. Uh, Adam, under intense pressure from Rachel and myself today, he provided the list today just in time to make this recording. He did state that he didn't get to see a lot of the films that he wanted to, so his Adam's top ten is actually only a top seven. Which I can respect. Yeah. You know, if you, if you don't feel confident putting films on your top ten that you – that you didn't even really like, you don't have to. Yeah, I, I, I like respect it, and I greatly appreciate him rushing to get the list in on time. So I made a promise to try and not rip it apart as much as I did last year. <laughs> you didn't even make a promise to not rip it apart. You made a promise to try to not rip it apart. Yes, and I am going to fulfill that promise. So okay. Adam's number seven film is El Camino, A Breaking Bad Story. I enjoyed that movie. Me I, too. I can't remember. I, th- I was talking to somebody who said that they didn't, and I punched them in the face. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. You would think you would remember that. That seems memorable. I, it does, but <laughs> I punched so many people in the face that it must have just slipped my mind. That makes sense. Yeah, just slipped through the cracks. Yeah, El Camino was, uh, for me, sort of a I, – I don't want to say it was a disappointment because I didn't really go in with big expectations – the thing that kind of lacked with that for me was just like I didn't really get the point. Like, I agree. I, Breaking Bad ended on such a perfect note. It was sort of like our Toy Story 4 conversation. Like, did this really need to exist? Toy Story 4, for better or worse, found a reason to exist. Yeah. I, I was left at the end of El Camino just thinking like, okay, what what new story was I just told? What does this mean for the characters that we didn't already know at the end of uh, the TV show Breaking Bad? So I, I, I was kind of left with something to be desired, but it's a fun ride at the very least. It's a, it's a pretty decent movie. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a great time. 
Uh, his number six film is a movie I never heard of called Bolden. Me neither. Don't know this one. Yeah, it's a, a mythical account of the life of Buddy Bolden, the first cornet king of New Orleans. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, don't know the director. Don't know... Well, I recognize one actor in it, Ian McShane. Of uh, Oh, and Michael Rooker was in it as well. But yeah, uh, Adam uh, said that he really liked it. And uh, yeah, so I said I might try and give it a watch so i i can't i can't really comment too much on that choice yeah i uh i'm always on board for a good music biopic yeah it's rare that he's stumped both of us with this one that yeah. doesn't seem like it would happen too often i know his number five film book smart love it that is uh solely on my recommendation i will take full credit for that yeah as you should for mine as well yeah thank you his number four, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Cool. Love that. Yeah, great pick. His number three, Avengers Endgame. If anything, a little too low, but I, that's fine. I agree. <laughs> a little too low, uh, Adam. Uh, pick up your game just a smidge. Yeah. Uh, number two, The Irishman. Didn't make either of our lists, but was a movie that I enjoyed. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Wasn't an honorable mention. Was never in consideration for my top ten, but a movie that I definitely enjoyed. I am not shocked that this is on Adam's list, since mm-hmm. he is an Italian. Oh, is that what he is? Yes, he's an Italian. So, <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, I knew that he would like this. And his number one film, which I predicted, I sent the text to Rachel shortly after Adam said he was going to do it, his number one film of the year is Joker. Which also didn't make either of our lists. Nope, and uh, had no again, chance. Is a movie that Manny and I have kind of talked about and kind of talked shit about, honestly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's not that bad. It's just not like ten nominations for the Oscars, good in my opinion. But I can totally respect it if you if you're big time into Joaquin's performance and you're big time into what the film represents. You know, you go for it, man. Yeah. yeah. Kudos to you. I'm... And if you if again, I am not a comic book guy, but if you are not concerned with it shitting on DC lore, as Manny has implied to me that it does then, you know, more power to you. Yep. If, as I've stated before, if this movie had been called The Clown or Mentally Disturbed Man, I think I would have liked this movie even more. My Man, honest... That's not, a, that's not a very good title. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> MDM. It's called MDM, Mentally Disturbed Man. Oh, I if, take it back. That's very catchy. Thank you. The, my, honestly, the, the majority of my problem with this movie is because of its interpretation of the Joker. I don't need to get into it. I've gone into it before. I've probably blabbed my ear, other, everybody's ear off on my opinions on the Joker. I am very happy for Adam that he watched it and he got enjoyment from it because that's all that truly matters. Film is subjective. You yep. like what you like. All right, next up. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for submitting your top seven. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I didn't shit on it as bad this year as I did last. Yeah, that was relatively painless. I'm very proud of you, man. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think it's also because this year's films were so strong. In, exactly. There's not really a bad answer. There's not on in. Uh, I'll say this right now. On Adam's list, there is not a movie that I gave a failing grade to or would even come close to getting a failing grade for me. These are all great, great, good to great films that he put on his list. Next up, we got Jordan's top ten. Her number 10 is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number 10, Jordan. Number 10. 
<laughs> hey, I had it number eight. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, number nine is Us. Mm-hmm. Love the spot. Yeah, great, great, great one. Uh, number eight, Booksmart. Uh, a little low. Jordan, a little low. Uh, I'm assuming the two of you watched it together. Yeah, I'm looking at her list right now in the group chat, and I'm like, damn, you can tell that we watched basically all of these movies together, because <laughs> as far as I can tell, nine of the movies on her list are also on mine. Yeah, And that... one, the other one was an honorable mention yeah. for me. And here's your honorable mention, The Lighthouse, which I've yeah. seen. Uh... You, you did not particularly care for, if I recall. Th- I just didn't get it. Okay, that's I fine. didn't get it. cinematography astounding the two performances because there really is only two performances in this movie Mm -hmm. jaw-dropping william defoe not getting a nomination is a little shocking to me but then when you see supporting actor category it's i don't know where you're gonna squeeze them in to be honest (laughs) that uh that dialogue they have about uh william defoe's lobster is awesome yeah (laughs) so (laughs) stupid uh number six 1917 Number five, Marriage Story. Number four, Avengers Endgame. Mm, It's a little low. That's a little low, Jordan. Number three, Parasite. Number two, Jojo Rabbit. And number one, Little Women. In a shocking victory. In a shocking victory. Uh, I don't know... Uh, I don't know. Obviously, don't know Jordan as well as you do. Do you are? I'm sure you guys have discussed the film. Is uh-huh. she a fan of the book? Did that lead into her love of the movie? Uh, yeah. She, I, I, I genuinely can't remember. I know she just bought the book. I can't remember if she said that she read it beforehand or if she, uh, or if she's just read it after the fact. Um, but yeah, she. Uh, we talked at length about this movie and she berated me for basically saying that I didn't like the ending as much as she did. <laughs> that, that might be, that might be hyperbole, but, uh, she was not a fan of all of my opinions about this movie, but That's... she was, she was very passionate about it. Oh, I, I love it. That's awesome. I, I love, I love Jordan is also, she's also, a, she wouldn't mind me saying this. I don't think she's a big bookworm. So yeah, the fact that this is adapted from a classic novel probably helped its case. I would have to, my, for it, this is a huge assumption on my part, but I'm mm-hmm. for for Little Women to be number one. I just feel that there had to be some type of connection to the source material prior to mm-hmm. seeing this movie. Yeah. Not to say that somebody that's never read the book couldn't go and see Little Women and it be their favorite film of the year. I just think that it's for the same reason that Avengers Endgame is my number one is the connection I have to the material. Yeah. So yeah, it's if, fair. if that's not the case, Jordan, I, I apologize if you find that offensive. I'm I I just I would be shocked if somebody I would, I'd honestly be shocked if somebody loved Little Women that much and didn't have a prior connection to it. Well, I mean, let's say the elephant in the room. We're both men talking about this. I imagine we likely wouldn't have the emotional connection to it, given that it's mostly about sort of sisterly relationships. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that maybe we wouldn't have the same emotional res- uh, residents of it or that's, resonance excuse me that's entirely possible i'd have to try and really think if there's any female centric films that i felt a pretty deep connection with i i definitely want to look back i'm just the only one i can think of off the top of my head that i know that i did connect with because it was it's not about sisterhood it's about friendship and that was beaches uh with bet midler well i mean what about Booksmart? Booksmart's about oh uh, fuck there you go yeah yeah Okay, so it's not just because I'm a guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Rachel's top ten. 
Uh, her number 10 is a short film by Pixar called Float. Haven't seen it. I don't know if I have either, actually. Yeah. Way to, way oh, to, wait. Throw, way to throw out the curveball, Rach. I'm going to need to look this up. Okay. I, it's ringing a bell right now, but I can't remember it. Uh, her number nine pick is Marriage Story. Brilliant choice. Uh, little low. Little, little low, low. Rach. <laughs> uh, number eight, Knives Out. A uh, little low, Rach. Uh, can you pick that up, please? Uh, number oh, eight. We're such pricks. What are we, what are we doing? Because yeah. uh, everyone knows I love to pick on Rachel. I totally saw Float, by the way. I'm pretty sure it must have been behind. Oh, no, it wasn't one of these ones that was at the beginning of a movie. But it, I, I did see Float. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. Top 10 of the year? That's interesting, for sure. I don't disagree with it. I think given how strong a year it was, you probably could have slotted another 10 in there. But, yeah, Float's fun, yeah. for sure. I, I think Rachel mentioned actually several times that she had – I don't know what it's about. She told me that she had a pretty deep emotional reaction to that short film, and that's yeah, why it's I mean, it's, 10. At the, at the very end, it gets quite emotional, actually. So, yeah, okay. I can definitely see it. Pixar making people cry, more at 11. Yeah, I'm, I'm stunned. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Booksmart. Come on, Rach. <laughs> is it a little low yeah it's it's a little low <laughs> <laughs> why does rachel even submit anything to you anymore <laughs> I, I know i'm honestly only saying this because of of my history with rachel these are yeah. actually these are actually great picks i i uh, number six is us yeah not shocking she's been she's been rallying that film since it came out she's a yep. huge fan of of uh, of that film you should add it to the list man it's a good yeah. one Number five, Ready or Not. Uh, not familiar. It's a horror film. Mm. A horror thriller? Better better than Us, hey? Yeah. Interesting. This is um, kind of like a violent hide-and-go-seek, if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. Um, Number four, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. And then this is where it goes off the rails. Number three, Lion King. <laughs> Number um, I did not three. see Lion King. I know that Manny has, um, shall we say, voiced his displeasure about this movie on air a couple times. I have. Now, that being said, while I did not like the movie, it did not get a failing grade from me. It, I did give it a three. But I understand why it's this high for Rachel because of her love of the original. And I won't... I, I'm remembering our her and I's texting discussion after she went and saw it. She saw it numerous times. She had, again, an emotional connection to it. And I am happy to hear for Rachel that she went in that movie and loved it. I'm happy for her because uh, it was a mere five or six months later where her heart was broken by cats. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, number yeah, Cats, Cats uh, hasn't made an appearance on anyone's list yet. Let's hope it stays that way. Uh, number two is Parasite. Mm-hmm. And number one, which will warm the cockles of your heart, is Jojo Rabbit. <sighs> My cockles are warmed. Um, her worst films of the year, she provided that with us as well. Oh, that's great. I love that. Uh, the Hustle. Uh, I think that's – it's not Hustlers. But it's called the yeah, hustle. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't you like that movie? No, uh, fuck no. I can't remember. I, th if I'm not mistaken, I feel bad saying this because I can't remember her name. But it's the larger lady that's in Cats and Pitch Perfect. That would be Rebel Wilson. Thank you're you. Referring to. Yeah, is that her? Is am I right? She's in the hustle. 
Uh, you're correct. It's Anne Hathaway, Rebel Wilson. Oh my God. Okay. I don't even know um, what's, it, what's it about. For for anyone curious, the hustle's sitting on a 35 on Medis- uh, Metacritic. Fuck. Uh, it, it, the plot is two con women, one low rent and the other high class, team up to take down the men who have wronged them. That sounds atrocious. I am not going to be watching that. Wow. <laughs> Which one's the high rent hustler? I I we I, I choose not to know. Okay. Uh, her number... <laughs> I am making a conscious decision to not look into it. So the hustle was her worst film of the year. Cats was number two and Ad Astra number three. Oh, was that Astra bad? I never saw it. No, don't listen to Rachel. She has poor taste in film. <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> no, she Ad actually Astra on an eighty on Metacritic. One yes. of the worst of the year, really. Yeah. She hated Ad Astra. Damn, so, I really want. I want to watch this. Yeah, so do I. Sorry, Rachel. I, I do value your opinion, but an eighty Metascore is an eighty Metascore. Yeah. Oh, also, so you know, just so you know, she also hated Little Women. Did she? Yeah. Them fighting words. That's yeah. interesting. Basic, to give you an analogy of how much she disliked Little Women, she disliked Little Women like I disliked Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I don't think – no, we definitely didn't mention it, but I, I mentioned it to Sam before we started recording. I had a little surprise for him at you this point in the that. show. By the way, thanks to everybody for submitting their list. Yes, it's much appreciated. It's really appreciated. And without your guys' submissions, I actually wouldn't have been able to do this. Sam, I put a scoring system in place to determine what is the best picture winner amongst the five of us. Did you? And I had. Yeah. You were just waiting on mine to, to solidify that? That's yeah. awesome. Yes. Love it. So that I, is a very good surprise. I, I did it two ways. And you can decide which way you would like. The results are pretty much the same. I th- oh, hold on. I'm just going to quickly double check here, see if there's any difference. Mm. There's a slight difference. I have to imagine that with us both picking Avengers Endgame as number one and it being a high slot on most other lists... I would have to imagine that's the number one. Okay, so here are the top five. So this is how I scored it. This is how I originally planned to score it. Each slot, starting at number 10, got five points in increments of five moving up. So 10 got five, two got 10, or sorry, nine got 10, eight got 15, and so forth. So the number one film got 50 points. Okay. Honorable mentions get one point. Okay. So that's how I scored it. So... Using that as criteria, the five films that were nominated for Best Picture between the five of us are, in alphabetical order, Avengers Endgame, Booksmart, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. It's a strong list right there. I'm proud of us, everyone. Yeah. Using our scoring system. Oh, okay. Before I reveal the winner, there was one... Two. There was only two movies. Oh, hold on. There's only two movies that made all five lists. Damn. And that's Booksmart and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. All right. That being said, do you want me to go from five to one? Please. Okay. In fifth spot, with 115 points, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm hmm. In fourth spot, with 135 points, Booksmart. 
Now, the difference between second and third is one point. For an honorable mention? Yep. So, Parasite is at 140. Jojo Rabbit, 141. Because it was your honorable mention? Yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> Thank the... you for throwing that in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, the best picture winner between the five of us using my scoring system is Avengers Endgame. Yeah. With how many points? 175. Yeah, not even close. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Damn, you'd like, I, like I thought you'd like that. That is a great list. I do really like that. That's a good surprise right there. Perfect. Um okay, so to continue tradition that we've been doing, Sam and I are going to pre- we're going to we're going to reveal what our most anticipated film of 2020 is, and then we're going to try and predict what our favorite film of 2020 is. Now, Sam, our most anticipated film of 2019, both of us picked Avengers Endgame. We sure did, and boy did it ever deliver. It sure did. Do you remember what you predicted would be your favorite film of 2020? Um, I think I, I re-listened to the podcast, and I stopped just short of saying it was going to be Endgame because I felt like that was going to be a better answer, or I felt like that was going to be a boring answer. And you eventually forced me to settle on Toy Story 4. Yes. <laughs> Didn't even make it, your list. It made the honorable mention. It sure did. So. My, I, uh, my prediction for my favorite film of the year was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which did not deliver, but did make your list. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Sam, what's your most anticipated film of 2020? Well, Manny, it's the same as yours, I imagine. Um, I have been anticipating the release of Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve, for, I mean, it's been announced for a couple years already. It's coming out in uh, November December. Uh, this year. December. December? Oh, God, it keeps getting fucking pushed back. Um, yeah, it's coming out in December this year, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Manny. I have some pretty unrealistic expectations for how much <laughs> I'm going to like this movie, just based on the cast and based on um, – I, I don't know anything about Dune. I have not read it. Um, but based on it being Denis Villeneuve, based on the cast, and based on the fact that it sounds pretty sci-fi uh, – it sounds like some sci-fi weirdness, let's say. Oh, it's, um, yeah. I am so fucking on board for Dune. I cannot wait. It, I, I have been waiting for years, um, and it's time. It's, it's time we fucking got it later this year. I just want to quickly check something. Oh, interesting. Should also note, it's uh, I, I don't have the cast in front of me right now, but it does have our boy Timothy Chalamet. We alluded to uh, him being in an anticipated movie earlier in the podcast. This was it. We're going to be talking about it right now. It's Dune. All right. So I was kind of hoping that Deacons was going to be the cinematographer again. It's not. He's not. Who is it? No, it's uh, a guy, a cinematographer I don't know by name. But looking at his filmography, he's got some pretty pretty good credits. Uh, he has he does have one Oscar nomination. His name is Greg Fraser. Uh, he was nominated for the movie Lion back in 2016, a fantastic film, by the way. I love Lion. Um, but he did shoot some. He he shot uh, looks like three episodes of The Mandalorian. He shot uh, Rogue One, a movie you didn't like, but it's beautiful to see. He mm-hmm. shot Lion. He also shot Zero Dark Thirty, which I'm a huge fan of, as it was my number 10 film of the decade. Uh, He also shot Killing Them Softly, another really great-looking film. 
Mm, trying to look through these other ones quickly. I don't see any other ones. So I, I've got... I, I feel pretty pretty happy about this cinematographer. Um, my most anticipated film of 2020 is, is rough. This year, uh, I have a David Fincher film coming out, a Christopher Nolan film coming out, a Denis Villeneuve film coming out, and a Steven Spielberg film coming out. But I'm with you. My most anticipated film of 2020 is Dune. Yeah, I gave uh, an honorable mention to Tenet, which is going to be the Christopher Nolan movie. But yeah, Dune is going to be it, I think. Yeah. Um, what's your prediction that's going to be your favorite film of the year? <sighs> the thing is, I know so little about any of them, but I, I, I have to imagine Dune is going to be it. I, that's a dangerous game to play. I don't want to be listening back to this podcast in a year thinking, <laughs> God, I had such high expectations for this movie. What was I doing? But... I, I, it would be dishonest to say I've been anticipating Dune for literally years now already, and uh, all signs lead to it being an exceptional movie. The, this is a risky game to play, a risky thing for me to think, but I can't help it. I I hope that I'm going to be sitting here at this time next year telling you that Dune was my number one of the year. I think my favorite film of the year is actually going to be David Fincher's film Mank. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. What is it? It's It tells the story of the blacklisted writer. Uh, I think his name's Herman Mankiewicz. He's the guy mm. that wrote Citizen Kane. Right, 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 right. And it's, it's a Fincher film. I can't bet against a Fincher film. So it's pretty rare that he releases a movie and it's not my number one. So I'm going to continue along that trend. What was Fincher's last movie again? Uh, the last one he did would have been The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, okay. That's, qu that's quite a bit of time. Yeah. Well, he's been busy spending Netflix's money making The House of Cards and Mindhunters. That's true. That's very true. Fuck, he's so good. Yeah. 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 Still got Social oh. Network on my rewatch list, too. Shit, right. And he also, he has that animated series on Netflix. Uh, fuck, Love, Death, and Robots or something like that. Uh, I'll get confirmation on that. Yeah. Um. And that it's him working on that is actually what has put Mindhunter season three on a hiatus. They actually let the actors go so they could go get other work because they're going to be on hiatus for so long. Um, television, Love, Death, and Robots, 2019. I was yeah. right. Um, Love, Death, and Robots. Y you missed one, though. Uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo was not his last movie. What did I miss? Uh, ben Affleck. Oh, shit, Gone Girl. Fuck, I love That's that right. movie, too. Yep. <laughs> I did love uh, the first four seasons of House of Cards. Same here. Yeah, and then I didn't bother. Uh, after season five, I didn't bother watching six. Yeah, I have, I still haven't finished it. I, I probably never will. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, all right, that wraps up our review of 2019. For those of you that are still listening, I'll be surprised. But mm -hmm. if you could remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, give us that five-star rating and a positive review. It will increase the profile of this lovely little podcast we have, this lovely, lengthy podcast that we have. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you get podcasts. 
Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. Like us on Facebook at the Samuel Manny Movie Podcast. If you want to email us, sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Sam's desperately trying to get to sleep, so let's wrap it up. For the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. You're fond of me lobster. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!